0: Welcome to episode 190 of the MCU Fan Show, our spoiler review for WandaVision episode 7, Breaking the Fourth Wall. My name is Sean Gerber, joined as always by Paul Herman. How you doing, Paul?
1: Sorry, sorry, Sean. I'm I'm, uh, trying to cram as much research into this before (laughs) I, uh, you know, I can get into the show. Because, goddamn, we got some freaking deep cuts. So I'm just kind of like... Okay, I got find this, and, and this, and get my, get, my, get this iPad going, and get this <laughs> iPad going, and oh my god, I mean, this, what we were just talking before the show, people, that we, there's just so much yeah. going on in the show, and there's so many deep cuts, I mean, there's, there's things that, again, that I, and again, I, I, I favor myself as knowing a, a good amount of the Marvel comic book, you know, history, right. you know, I don't know everything, that's impossible, but I, I consider myself, you know, I, I'm really steeped in this knowledge, and there's deep cuts where I'm like, what was that again? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like I have to get the books out and it start figuring out where, where to go. So, I mean, it's it's cool. I mean, in the show, I think the one thing the show has done, I've always wanted the comics to, or the movies to do even better was give more reasons to dive into the comic books. And to be quite honest, I think the show, especially these last couple episodes, have done the, a better job of doing that than like a lot of the movies have in the last like 10, 15 years or whatever. So it's pretty cool.
0: It's really cool. I mean, this episode, this series is brought to you by WandaVision or not WandaVision, rather Marvel Unlimited, an unpaid sponsor of the MCU fan show. And I guess WandaVision, same company, I guess, for them. Um, But this is certainly something that warrants that. And this episode certainly sent me diving back into Marvel Unlimited because I've, I can't remember everything I've read, and there's still plenty of stuff I haven't read, because you're talking thousands and thousands of Marvel, com- yes. tens of thousands of Marvel comics, many of which are available on Marvel Unlimited, free plug, but yes. it's, it's crazy just how much this show is weaving into the comics while also doing, definitely doing its own thing and charting its own course and being the MCU, which is not like for like with the comics, as we know, but before we get into it, And expand on all of those ideas and go through this episode beat by beat, as we like to do on MCU Fan Show. Make sure you're following us at MCU Fan Show, all those places you can, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you are enjoying the show and are on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review. Many of you have gone ahead and done that, and you have said some very, very nice things, which we always appreciate. Uh, I read them yes. all, and it's very nice to see uh, that you, many of you are enjoying the show, so thank you so much for taking the time to share your feedback with us. So, this episode, Episode 7, Breaking the Fourth Wall, written by Cameron Squires, and the title, Breaking the Fourth Wall, obvious enough, this is the 2000s era, I mean, they were breaking the fourth wall last week with the kids doing Malcolm in the Middle stuff uh, in Episode 6, but... This is more of the modern 2000s era, Modern Family, uh, where Breaking the Fourth Wall became a common staple of sitcoms, whether you're talking about Modern Family, The Office, Parks and Recreation. So this is definitely the space that we are playing in this week. And the fourth wall, I think most of you know what that is, but just in case you don't, the fourth wall is the camera. So when you're looking at a set, you see three walls left right back the fourth wall is you up front they're talking directly to you the audience or an interviewer uh who may not be exactly who you think they are initially until you find out later in the episode but we'll get to that we start with a cold open wanda is waking up from her halloween hangover there are hexagons of course because what other what other shapes would there be on the bedspread and this was a clip they actually released earlier in the day Uh, Wanda saying, look, we've all been there, right? Letting our fear and anger get the best of us. That's totally what she did when she expanded the hex. And she even says, intentionally expanding the border of the false world we created. The key point in that line for me is not expanding the border. We saw that happen. But this is Wanda acknowledging that she created this world. And that's where what happened last week was a bit of a revelation because she's been saying, I don't know how all of this started and there's still some truth to that of not knowing and because I mean, maybe it's not so much the how as the why that remains the mystery here. But as far as how she physically did it, how it physically started, probably in a way that looks exactly like how she expanded it. So Wanda yeah. is acknowledging her own role in creating this world. Um, and But it also shows the other key part of this is she knows she messed up. She feels bad about this, like she's disappointed in herself she's trying to rationalize it a little bit but she's disappointed by herself um we get the bit with the kids the you know with the controllers which was great by the way going from i don't know like i saw the n64 trailer you see the atari then it goes all the way back to before video games and they just have uno cards which was great <laughs> um i also love that there's a kid all on TV. Times. yeah when there's a kid on tv saying mom peanut butter and jelly again uh, we will see some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches later on in the episode And uh, (laughs) Billy is complaining that his head feels weird. It's like really noisy and I don't like it. I think Billy's Mm. hearing the suffering of people in Westview, just like he heard his dad. Um, I I think Mm. that's kind of what it is, is, you know, we know that Billy has these empathic abilities that I I think allowed him to reveal what was happening to Vision outside of Westview. And we know that the people inside of Westview, we know it's a painful experience being, Mm. The way that they are in here so I, I kind of feel like that's what it is and that's also why he doesn't hear Agnes later in the episode but we'll get to that scene uh eventually but yeah I, I think that's kind of what this is and then also I love that even though Wanda's admitting what she's done she at the same time is not really punishing herself like I'm punishing myself for my reckless evening she's playing you know a quarantine style staycation a whole day just to myself <laughs> that'll show me Uh, And then, of course, she's still wearing her uh, costume in bed. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. I I really love this opening. And Elizabeth Olsen is definitely going for a little bit of that Julie Bowen, Claire Dunphy energy, appropriately enough, from Modern Family. So, yeah, I I thought this uh, cold open was just great.
1: It was a very—the way it's written, the way it's performed, it's perfect setup for kind of the confliction of of Wanda. And, again— a kudos to everyone involved on the creative side as, as bringing out the story and the dialogue and everything. It, it's so perfect for this character and where they're going. And it's so well orchestrated, like every episode and is just so well weaves into each other, even though it's a different era, different dynamic and different setting that every, all the writing in, that is bringing the story all together and all the dialogue that they're giving Wanda and Elizabeth Olsen is just nailing out of the park. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just really, really impressive. I, I go back and I, and I, am a broken record about it, but I, I, it just needs to be emphasized more and more, you know, again, I, I love the comic books and I love, and that's why I, I cling to. And that's why I watch these shows, but I have to say on a pure Level of just what we're seeing for television the television medium I'm really impressed how they're able to bring this out in this unique way and it's a very creative way and I I gotta say It really is impressive and I just can't I I gotta praise it every single time. It's nailed. Well, and they've got it's such an inspired idea That I just it's it's awesome. So with this scene. I agree like everything you said I, I I thought was really interesting it's just like, she still had the costume on underneath. And so that, again, what does that mean from a, a, a double meaning? Like one, she, you know, she had the Halloween hangover, but like, she's still clinging on to like this, that idea, right? Like, even though she's trying to like cover her, you know, throw it, put it underneath the rug, if you will, uh, whatever. She still has these powers. She still is embracing the side of her that, or is inside of her that she just is trying to like ignore essentially. So, it was really cool to have all that there. Plus, with all the with all the uh, humor they had, with uh, the way that she's performing the char- the, the show yeah. and, the, and the character I mean, and everything.
0: The disappointment and like disgust in herself when she just puts her hand on yeah. her face when she wakes up and realizes she's still wearing the costume. I thought was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah no yeah yeah. Well, there's good. It, there's another really good line. Like it's it's a small sitcom line, but it's clever and it's fun. Like when she heads downstairs, Tommy and Billy are fighting over a control or the remote. And you see, uh, and Tommy says like, I was, I got it first, but then Billy makes the point like you always have it first. Like, of course he does. He's speed. Mm. So <laughs> Tommy's always going to have whatever it is they're fighting over. Tommy will always have it first.
1: Yes. Yeah. And so there's, there's a lot going on there. And I think it's such a, you know, and I'm, I personally don't, I had, I don't really watch sitcoms anymore and I pretty much stopped watching sitcoms right around 2000 essentially. And so I never watched the office. I never watched. Parks and Rec, or or you know, whatever. I watch a little bit of Modern Family in the first season, like maybe the half the season, but that's it. So a lot of these shows I are just aren't really my thing. So, but at the same time, I understand what they're going for, and they mm-hmm. nail it. They totally nail it right off the bat. Yeah, so.
0: I watched the first several seasons of Modern Family. I kind of checked out toward the last few. It wasn't quite as funny for me, but the first uh, several seasons were really funny, and this one is so it's so true to form. In Mm. how they cut this show, in the delivery of the lines, they really captured the spirit of Modern Family. And it was also so great, as we'll talk about later, like Catherine Hahn, who's been in this space before because she had a recurring role on Parks and Recreation, the interview segments, the talking directly to camera. Um, I, I thought she was as amazing at that as she always was. So they did a great job being true to form, but there's also stuff going on here that is not... As immediately apparent, if you're just watching the show, like when Wanda goes to serve herself breakfast, you see that the milk is changing. It goes from almond milk to various form dairy milk in various forms of packaging and everything. Um, and I love at the end, though, how she like smells it before she takes a bite. It's just <laughs> awesome. Um, that quick little sniff before she chows down on the sugar snaps I thought was great. I didn't really see any clues on the sugar sna- or Easter eggs on the sugar snap cereal. I mean, obviously the word snap has a certain meaning in the MCU, but um, there's just a clown on the box, although she did just turn a bunch of sword agents into clowns at yeah. the end of last week's episode. The marshmallows, I don't really see Infinity Stones there. They look exactly like the marshmallows from Lucky Charms to me. Um, mm-hmm. There is at one point, though, like a missing kid on a milk carton, which I know was a common thing of that era, but I'm also wondering, is this Agnes's kid? maybe, if there's a kid involved, I don't know, because we actually see that visual right as there's a newscast talking about, uh, I hope your little ghost arrived home safe last night, so it is interesting for that to, that line to land on, uh, the visual of the missing kid, but it may be nothing at all, but that's the, speaking of that news broadcast, you can't re. I can't hear it, like, I turned the volume up, I can only barely hear it, I can't make out the words, but with subtitles that's where you see that this news broadcast is playing as Wanda is serving herself breakfast and it's somebody named RJ saying, good morning, West Viewians. thanks for tuning into W N D a. So that's a Wanda network name, Uh, not a, and also I guess NDA non-disclosure agreement. Nobody's allowed to say anything, but I think it's more about Wanda. Um, And then the newscast says not a thing weighing heavily on your conscience. I hope your little ghost arrived home safe last night. It's always such a treat to see those creepy kiddos out and about once a year. That line almost feels like a reference to what Pietro, whatever his name is, said last week. Talked about the (laughs) the holiday cameo for the kids. Uh, Then they finished the newscast. Later on, we'll hear some tips on how to resist the temptation of all that leftover candy or just eat it all. And I think that's a recurring theme throughout this episode. This is where Wanda's at right now is this crossroads of do I resist the temptation of staying here? Do I move toward doing the right thing and and taking all of this down as much as Wanda has the power to take all of it down? And we know that there is someone directly in the way of that now. For sure, we know that. I mean, we already suspected it, but now we know for sure at the end of this episode. But then there's that other part. Do I resist temptation or do I just give into it? And I think this newscast sets that up. The ad for this week sets that up where Wanda is at this point where she needs to make a choice about exactly what she wants to do. Um, and there's always, and the episode is always talking about, it keeps coming up, this idea of moving on, of accepting truth, of, as I said, resisting temptation. But then it's always thrown in, the caveat there is always included uh, to just go ahead and take the easy way out and just eat it all, just indulge and eat all the candy or just have whatever reality you want, Wanda
1: yeah there you know all that stuff i, I was looking for easter eggs but it, it just kind of never nothing really jumped out at me i, I don't know if the sugar, sugar snaps I, that was the first thing i thought of. okay like, hey, what is on the box what's you know again that's the fun thing they yeah. put in a lot of fun things in in there and so and there's a little
0: tagline on the box but it just refers to like sweetened cereal with marshmallows like standard whatever you yeah, would see on a yeah. lucky charms box
1: yeah there was nothing that jumped out at me so yeah this was just kind of it was inter- it was interesting because you could tell again Wanda is in that stage of just like denial and just trying to forget what the the thing is that's going on right now and mm-hmm. it's just, it was again it was, a, it was a good setup for what's to come here in a few minutes
0: totally our opening theme this week as we expected no lyrics because you don't get theme songs in the 2000s sometimes you get barely any music at all. You get more of a sound effect than an actual song or a melody or anything like that. So no lyrics. The music sounds like The Office theme song a little bit. The visuals, though, are from, I think anyway, and I, th- I saw uh, Jen on our Discord community called this out as well, um, Happy Endings, which is a show that was executive produced by the Russo Brothers. People know them for community and they know them from Arrested Development, but Happy Endings was a series that was all too short-lived, but it was a really funny show, and the way that this opening, uh, the way it keeps focusing on the name Wanda was how Happy Endings, that opening, would focus on the word happy, and you just saw different iterations of the word happy written in different places, different contexts, and all of those things, and so with the visuals, though, that's the key. So I do think that's a little bit of a nod a tip of the cap from Marvel to the Russo brothers, who've certainly been very successful and, and helped lead Marvel to its great success during the Infinity Saga, and they'll probably be back one day. So it's a tip of the cap to the Russos, but the visuals in here, we see Wanda's name all over the place. What we don't see until the very end is Vision's name. So in all the other themes, it's been Wanda Vision, and it's been this show with the two of them, But this opening theme is telling us it's all about Wanda right now. And we get different signs. Like There's one sign that says, sorry, we're Wanda. There's another one, though, that almost seems like a message to Wanda. I know what you're doing, Wanda. And it's in cutout letters, like a ransom note. So this plays like a message. Maybe this is Agnes slash Agatha uh, taunting Wanda in this little spot right here. And then we end with, a WandaVision calendar, and that's it's a Wanda calendar with Wanda almost representing a month, and then Vision's name is added to it. So Wanda is the month. There's a heart drawn over Friday the 10th. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, and then we end with the title card WandaVision created by Wanda Maximoff, but that's very intentional with what the show is doing here in the opening in that Vision has been cut out like he's still kind of crammed in here but he's mostly cut out and at this point the show is all about wanda which is why we see her name so much and not so much of vision
1: i have nothing really to offer here because it just it felt like here this is we're coming to close to the sitcom idea i feel it feels like this is the last episode it's going to happen and unless they surprise us with like an amalgam of like different things or whatever but it feels like this is the last one, and it just felt like it felt very chaotic. I will say, where you know before it was, it just, everything was more true to form with with the theme songs. This was was just kind of like Wanda, Wanda, Wanda. Like it's, yeah. It almost felt like in her mind, like she's just she's just like she's starting to kind of break, and that was. And obviously that's intentional, and in, in bringing up the lack of vision, yeah, his name was definitely intentional too, as we we find out. But I also feel it's just like there is there was so much quick cutting in the theme song, which is very common in a lot of theme songs, obviously, yeah. especially as we, as they, as, you know, the years go, but it felt even more chaotic than that. Did you pick up on that too? At yeah. All?
0: Well, as I was saying that the style of it is very happy endings, which I think is a nod to the Russos as far as cutting to the word Wanda in the same way they cut to the word happy over and over again and all these different things. Um, but yes, it's, it's not just a stylistic choice and an homage to the Russos. I, I think it is accomplishing something here. It is, being blitzed with this idea that it's all about Wanda. And this episode is Wanda having some me time and having some Wanda time, like taking the time for herself, being by herself, which she hasn't really been in Westview that we've seen. I mean, I know there's other episodes that we don't see, that S.W.O.R.D. sees and all that stuff, but as far as what we're seeing, like even her time at home way back in the first episode, when we saw it, Agnes was there for a lot of that time. So she's usually there because... In classic sitcoms, you don't often have characters sitting by themselves. They need to have someone to talk to and make jokes off of and, and have the back and forth. So we don't really have that me time. We get that in this episode because Wanda will always have someone to talk to. She can just talk to camera, talk to the interviewer. So this is that whole thing. It's, it's all, I mean, it goes into the Nexus ad that we'll get later. It's, a, it's not all about you or is it? Well, it kind of is if we're just saying Wanda, Wanda, Wanda. But there are messages to her in there you know, sorry, we're Wanda, you know, almost like an apology if that's an apology for last week. But then also, I know what you're doing, Wanda, with that ransom style note uh, that almost feels like, in hindsight, that now feels like a message from Agatha to Wanda. But I love the opening titles this week. And it was true to form for the era. And it may be the last one we see. It it also makes sense, though, that we got no lyrics in this one because we ended up getting a theme song at the end of the episode that gave us yep. some nice lyrics that were a lot of fun. I don't know if we'll see another theme. If we do, it's going to be some sort of weird mashup of everything mm-hmm. kind of colliding. Um I wonder if we'll get like a remix of all you know some of these previous mm. themes kind of mashed together or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, we have a Sword Temporary Retreat coming back from the opening. It's 8 it's 8 miles outside of Westview, New Jersey. So that kind of gives you an idea of just how far the the hex was expanded by Wanda. The broadcast signal is gone, so nobody from the outside is watching what's happening within Westview anymore. And Hayward says they launched today, but we don't see that launch. We don't see Hayward or this group of SWORD agents ever again, at least not in this episode, presumably we will see them in the next episode to figure out what exactly it is they plan to launch and and how they plan to get inside the hex Uh, we instead cut to the circus that we saw everything the sword base camp was turned into at the end of last week when wanda expanded the hex vision wakes up he sees the clowns and then that sword agent who was kind of a goon and not very nice to darcy he's here uh, which we knew he didn't get away because he was kind of running for a car, and they all took off without him. Uh, so we knew he was doomed to this fate. Um, but he's here as the strong man, and he's still a jerk. Darcy is the escape artist. I loved it that that bit where she's talking to camera, how she applied for the bearded lady job uh, was really funny. But like that alabaster complexion isn't fooling anyone. Uh, when Vision is trying to talk to her, and she's just like, "Can I?" or staring at her, "Can I help you, creeper?" Uh, but vision remembers vision is, and wonders why darcy doesn't although i mean he thinks he of course knows why uh, you don't remember me from last night we locked eyes there was an unspoken understanding darcy just says hard pass uh, but yeah this little bit i mean there's more of course a lot more between vision and darcy but i liked this little opening and and we were all wondering exactly who darcy was going to be in this reality A lot of people guessed maybe a waitress because Kat Dennings, of course, played a waitress in a modern sitcom, Two Broke Girls. But I think it kind of makes sense that she is an escape artist because she needs to fit within the theme of the circus that S.W.O.R.D. was turned into. But maybe that will be a role as far as helping some people get outside of Westview or undoing all of this is if Darcy is the escape artist, maybe she will provide herself or others with the benefit of escape. We'll see.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I'm not Darcy's biggest fan. So this stuff was just kind of like, all right, let's get going. Let's go. That's just me. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a negative Nilly here, but she's not my favorite character. But I will say the vision anytime Paul Bettany on vision or on vision is vision on screen. I'm fine. So it, it, yeah. was, it was it was it's It's good. I, I like I did like his interaction with Darcy. Yeah, his, his like there like,
0: was an unspoken understanding with like, you know, his hands back and forth, like the gestures that he was doing. Yes, I just Paul Bettany is a, is a gem. And yes, I'm glad he that he gets an opportunity to be so hilarious in this show. Mm-hmm. It's awesome because yep. it's the only place where Vision really gets to be quite that funny, although he does have funny lines in the MCU prior to this. But he certainly gets to do a lot more of it. Uh, It doesn't just have to be dry wit. It can be just plain silly. Uh, And I I just love having Vision getting those opportunities and Paul Bettany, of course, getting the chance to portray them. So back at home, Wanda wants to know if the kids have seen their dad. They haven't. And Billy asks if Wanda wants to go look for him. And she just says, well, if he doesn't want to be here, there's nothing I can do about it. But this exchange is important because if Wanda is wondering if the kids have seen their dad, and when they haven't, she just assumes that vision doesn't want to be uh, doesn't want to be there. Remember later on, vision assumes that Wanda is the one impeding vision's path home. Obviously, Wanda's not doing it. I don't think she's lying to the kids. I think that Wanda thinks that we had a fight. He took off. I saved his life, but he doesn't want to come back, so forget it. He doesn't want to come back, and that's it. Wanda's not the one doing this. That means that Agatha is the one who's keeping Vision away. Um, And that is part of an emotional manipulation. I mean, obviously that manipulates Vision, but it's also an emotional manipulation on Wanda because now Wanda is feeling sad and rejected by the person that she loves because she is under the assumption that Vision is choosing not to be there with her. And that's not quite true. That's not quite what's happening. And the kids are asking about Uncle P. Wanda tells the kids not to believe anything he says, and he's not their uncle. So Wanda, who was wondering the truth about Pietro and why do you look different and trying to test him to see what he knows about their life in as kids, she's reached the conclusion that that's not him because uh, the kids were asking why Uncle P said the thing about dad dying twice. Um, and the kids, uh, of course, you know, don't know why Wanda doesn't have answers. And when she gives the explanation about how is their mom... She doesn't have the answers. She doesn't even have any answers. And I just, that's total, like, that really reminded me, even more so than the cold open of that Julie Bowen, like Claire Dunphy energy. And some of the line delivery was reminiscent of that for me. And then uh, Wanda just goes dark. I'm starting to believe that everything is meaningless. (laughs) Like kids, they can draw their own conclusions, but that, you know, that's just where I'm at. Uh, And then her justification of that to the camera is so funny of just, you know the kid vision's made of vibranium, so the kids have tough skin. Uh, I, I thought was great.
1: Yeah, the, the the kid thing is interesting because you start kind of like thinking what's going what's going on with them. And I also thought it was interesting that they weren't they weren't uh, they hadn't aged up again because I kind of half expected them to to age up as the season goes, but they didn't. So I thought that was interesting, and I've I've got my own theories about that, which we'll get to the end of this. Which is, yeah. I'll be honest, I, I have most of the things I want to say towards like the end, because as I feel like as it gets closer to the end, like it, get, it gets nuttier and and my, oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I, I will say this, um, the kids stuff, I, I thought it was very interesting that they didn't they didn't uh, grow. Because I I was half expecting it to happen as the season goes on. And now they haven't. I have my theories of what's potentially going to happen with these kids and and everything. So that was a... As I was watching this, I kind of went, wait a minute, they didn't grow. So keep keep that in mind, people.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised that they haven't grown because they chose to do that when we first were hanging out with them back in episode four. But... um, Or episode five. So like I, I'm not surprised that they they didn't grow up because if it was a choice for them to do it, then if they don't choose to do it, then they're just going to stay whatever age they whatever age they are. I mean, they'll basically grow at an age at a normal rate or normal ish rate because time is kind of weird and wonky in Westview anyway. But if it's a conscious choice to age up and they're not doing that because Wanda talked him out of it, at the end of episode five. In that very special episode, that was kind of their way of dealing with Mm. discomfort, with pain, uh, you know, whether it's crying babies, although maybe Agnes slash Agatha had something to do with that. Um, But then when they deliberately looked at each other and aged up later on in that episode, and they were going to do it when they saw when they realized that Sparky had died and and Wanda told them not to do it, not to run from that feeling because that's what they're doing when they age up. So they're not running from their feelings anymore. I take that as with the internal logic of the show. That's why they haven't aged up. Now, eventually they might anyway, because there might be a need for them to do that. If they need to be more powerful to help Wanda or whatever, depending on how things go, uh, we may eventually get to that point because I don't think that Wiccan and Speed or Billy and Tommy, respectively, are going to be 10-year-olds in Young Avengers or Champions or whatever they end up calling their young superhero team in the MCU. I I think they will age up eventually, but since that's a choice they can make, they haven't felt the need or desire to to do that, because right now it's been framed as uh, an avoidance tactic, and they're not avoiding anything right now. Um, So Agnes pops in. And this time, uh, Agnes is uh, We're. I mean, we've already addressed the issue that Wanda feels no need to hide in front of Agnes. So when there's a knock on the door, Wanda knows it's Agnes. Hi, Agnes. She opens the door using her hex powers, Uh, Wanda does. So there's no need to hide. There's no, there's no barrier really between Wanda and Agnes. And I don't know if Wanda really knows why that is or has even thought about why that is, but in hindsight, she'll probably wish she did. As we get to the end of this episode, and I love uh, Elizabeth Olson, just, I get up, but I just don't want to. And uh, Catherine Hahn is just so good here. Like, she is right at home. I mean, she's certainly been in this modern sitcom as well as comedic film. She's been in this space. She's an amazing dramatic actor as well. So it's not to take anything away from that. She is just immensely talented in all things. But when she's, her bits of cut, uh, when she's talking to the camera Like, Wanda being one split end away from cutting her own bangs. Uh, And when she tells the kids, like, I don't bite, um, and she actually did bite a kid once, and that face she makes after she reveals that truth about herself, so funny. And this is kind of, this feels like a plan falling perfectly into place, though, for Agnes, because she's let right in by Wanda. And Wanda needs this me time. So Agnes is volunteering to take the boys. And there is no hesitation by Wanda. I mean, we've seen how protective she is of these kids. But when it comes to Agnes, there is just this complete trust in the same way that Wanda trusts Agnes to, for, to basically not freak out or not reveal Wanda's truth to anyone else at, the t- at a time when Wanda was still sort of hiding it. She immediately trusts Agnes to, yeah, go ahead and and take my kids. Um, And not just, like, go ahead and do it, but, like, please do that. Like, thank you for suggesting this idea, because I just need to be by myself for a little bit. So her jumping at that chance, I I think, certainly says a lot about just how successfully certain things have gone, have fallen into place for somebody like Agnes slash Agatha, who's been scheming this whole time. And even when Wanda says, like, I want to ask if there's anything she can do for Agnes, I think eventually Agnes slash Agatha is going to explain exactly what she wants Wanda to do for her. But right now uh, she just wanted a suspicious mole looked at. But, you know, boundaries. Uh, Another interesting thing I found about the scene, though, is that the kids were a little hesitant to go with Agnes, which you could say is a little bit of a mistrust of Agnes. Um, but also Billy is just there Billys saying we need to be there to take care of you, mom um Billy wants to be there to take care of his mom, which is just very nice on uh, on Billy's part, but this scene just felt like yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna learn the truth about Agnes because she's been after these kids and after other things, um and she gets them very easily here too easily
1: yeah this was this part was very interesting to me because. Again, going, I don't want, I'm not jumping to the end, but right now I start kind of seeing a little bit of what's going on and the fact that, but to me, as you immediately know, and we already know this already because we're on episode seven, but there's a natural trust that Wanda has with, with Agatha and I'm just going to, I'm going to plant that seed here because I don't think that's unintentional. Like, I don't think that's, there's a reason. Some, somewhere, some lie, you know, somewhere, somewhere, somehow there's a reason for that. Again, I'm not, I'm not getting too far out of the head here, but the, the kids, their apprehensiveness, it, it's interesting because it, it, later on it pays off as we, we know, but yeah, they're, they're kind of hesitant or whatever. And, uh, I don't know to me right here. It is kind of the overemphasis of we gotten all season of her naturally accepting Agatha I think that's that is not a, a just a well we you know needs needs to happen or whatever to set up whatever going forward I think there's a reason there one way or another um, a natural uh, trust there so that was very interesting and I think that the again going back to the comic books Agatha Harkness and the with the kids and everything like she was a big part of those kids lives in the comic books and at least from an early age, which again, we will go in and see I feel. I, I'm not trying to get too far ahead here, but it it does all play into this a little bit, I think. And it, it definitely set me up. I thought it was, it was interesting when I was like, oh, she's taking him like by herself for like, I think on, on screen for the first time, whereas before she was helping Wanda always in the same room. This was the first time I think that she took them. Correct. Is that right? So yes, this is by, the first time.
0: Yes. This is the first time that she has had those kids, Unsupervised, where she is the one completely supervising them all by herself. I mean, there was a time where Vision and and Wanda were in the same room and Wanda had her back turned, but that's not the same thing. Not Uh, the same thing. No, no. Not at all. This is her getting, this is her being, I mean, taking those kids out of the safety of their own home over to Agnes's home, which Wanda has never even been to, by the way. So at least as far as the episodes that we've seen. And, and I have to play off of that. I know that other episodes have have, have existed in this and, and sort of seeing them. I know that the writers and everybody acknowledge that, that's, that that just kind of has to be true. There has to be more things for them to watch if they're watching this stuff. If they're watching WandaVision on a 24-7 loop, that there has to be more episodes that we're not seeing. But I can only work off of what we have.
1: And yeah, With exactly. what
0: we have, uh, Wanda has not been to Agnes's house. So there is just this... There's this understanding, this unspoken understanding, as Vision was trying to talk about with Darcy. There seems to be that between Wanda and Agnes, and Wanda just, of all the things Wanda is wondering why and how, she's not wondering why or how as it relates to Agnes, and there's going to be reasons for that, and we will, obviously we get some revelation this week in a big way, but I think we'll get more specific revelations next week. Uh, But then Mm -hmm. Wanda takes advantage of this me time, or at least she wants to, but she can't because everything in the living room starts going back in time, kind of like the almond milk slash dairy milk. Uh, Wanda tries to bring everything back to the modern day. She does successfully, at least for now, until a little bit later in the episode. And then she just says she's fine over and over again to the interviewer. But we know that we can see plainly on Wanda's face that she doesn't believe it. So the next thing we cut to... Back outside the hex, it's time to meet up with the aerospace engineer or at least begin that process. And as Monica and Jimmy are en route, Jimmy gets Darcy's email from last week. It went through, he's able to open the attachment. And thankfully, Darcy remembered the attachment, which not everybody does. So, Project Cataract, uh, it was indeed, as we suspected, Hayward slash Sword or some members of Sword. They were trying to bring Vision back online. So this is what we suspected when Hayward told his whole story about his nine-day-old footage that he only just had authorization to share, and it was Wanda out of her own grief that caused her to disregard Vision's wishes. No, that's not what happened. It was Hayward and S.W.O.R.D. who were disrespecting Vision's wishes by trying to turn him into exactly what Vision did not want to be in death, And that is to be revived as a living weapon. And Wu says that nothing worked until Wanda stole Vision's body. That conclusion is shared by Jimmy Wu and Monica. And it's interesting, though, because I'm like, well, that almost points to maybe Hayward was the one who leaked the information to Wanda. Because if nothing's working, maybe he Mm. felt like Wanda was the one who needed it, or if he needed Wanda to fully bring back Vision, and then he just thought he could control a situation that obviously he was never going to be able to control, because he was going to be hopelessly outgunned if he goes up against Wanda Maximoff. Obviously, he should have known that, apparently didn't, Um, if it was Hayward who baited her, but it might have been Agnes slash Agatha, for all we know. So, it does seem like, uh, of course, it doesn't just seem like now it's definitive. Hayward and S.W.O.R.D. were trying to turn Vision into a sentient weapon, and Monica even says it plainly. Hayward wants his sentient weapon back. So the inciting incident that we suspected uh, was precisely that as far as how a lot of this started in terms of the, obviously, other things already happened. Vision dying twice in Infinity War and all of those things and all of the trauma that Wanda has experienced, all of those things have led to where we are now. But the inciting incident for this story seems to be what Sword was up to, uh, and causing Wanda to feel like she needed to go rescue Vision. And then she made another choice after that, and that's a moment that we still have to see. Um, but yeah, Hayward and Sword were were up to no good.
1: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, Sean. And I think that's a good theory to go on—the fact that they were having, they were failing at getting this different, or getting Vision online, and they. Ba- it makes sense that they leaked that to Wanda to have her freak out and see if her powers could somehow bring him back mm-hmm. or or make because we, we don't know how they leaked it because we just know that she comes in guns a blazing. Right. And it's like, you know, and tears it apart. We what we could what we what we don't know and what we don't see is maybe they didn't maybe they didn't leak it, but maybe they talked to her and said, listen, you know, what would you consider? If you would, you would you be uh, consider yourself uh, able to help us bring vision back? Mm-hmm. So you know, for for you and for us, and and I'm not saying obviously Hayward's got evil, not evil or yeah, evil, you know what I'm saying? He's got bad intentions, but I wonder if it wasn't like they leaked it, but they actually sat down with her and explained to her what they want to do, and then she flipped out and was like, "No, you're not. He's yeah. not. He's not I, meant to be a I weapon."
0: Doubt it was a a sit down talk and, and explanation but well but, a, a phone call a polite standing meeting i don't think it was any of those things uh, a socially distanced gathering i don't think it was any of those things
1: i uh, i don't
0: fine. believe that for a second like i think that because sure. you would know the answer like hey do you mind uh helping us bring your husband back to life no um i mean unless they were saying like we found a way to do it we just need your help. And then you too, it would okay. So like, yeah, obviously not as part of the sentient weapon program, but I could buy the idea of like, well, we've done most of the work to bring him back and we want to bring him back for you. You just need that. We just need that last little piece, but I don't think so because she's very angry. And so I I think maybe they, they leaked it to her, but it's not, it doesn't have to be sword. It could have Mm -hmm. been Agatha slash Agnes. And I'll explain more about that uh, as we go on later in the show. But uh, the next thing we see, of course, is we we meet up with Major Goodner, not Blue Marvel, not Mr. Fantastic. And uh, we see that this uh, the vehicle that Monica wanted was there. And we know that there are still people who are loyal, as Major Goodner points out, within the military, within SWORD, people who are still loyal to not only Monica's mother, Maria, but Monica herself. And Goodner actually talks about building the rover to Monica's specs. So that points to the idea that Monica is the aerospace engineer. Um, And maybe she's been referring to herself the whole time. Although I'm not, I mean, look, she was already the aerospace engineer to some extent because she came up with the design idea of what this thing needed to be and what it needed to do. And then she sent it off and then I guess Goodner and her team they went ahead and they finished the engineering process and actually built the thing based on Monica's design. So I, I, the only thing I don't know is, is Major Goodner the one who really finished engineering this thing, or is she just delivering it? And there is still an aerospace engineer who's back at a lab somewhere, although they don't refer to anyone else still being back at the lab, no like wishes he could have made it, whatever. Uh, we don't get anything like that. So it may be kind of as we suspected last week, that there's just there's no major character being revealed via this aerospace engineer. I mean, for all the talk of Reed Richards, Blue Marvel, for anybody else potentially who could be in this role, that this maybe is not going to be quite the revelation that some expected it to be, which for me is, is totally fine. I don't particularly mind that the Fantastic Four are not introduced in this story, or at least they haven't been yet. And even if they're not going to be, Totally cool, because that is its own event that that could very mm-hmm. easily overshadow this series that is about Wanda and about vision. so let this be and Monica Rambo and Agatha Harkness. Let this show continue to be about the characters who are our main players here in this story and we can this is the m c u we can always introduce people later. You could always do a post credit scene at the very end of this series that shows somebody else in a lab, and you can do that at that point because it's not overshadowing the story because the story's already been told and now we're starting to look ahead but anyway the vehicle looks cool and it's uh, I I don't mind this not being like a major reveal of a brand new character entering the MCU for the first time
1: yeah no this was I I wasn't surprised and and, you know it was it was nice to kind of just get some you know get that out of the way but also again what this big vehicle and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? It it, it was, I wasn't surprised. And I I think that these, these big reveals, it'd be nice if they kept things under wraps and could like drop a big reveal like that. It's, it'd be almost impossible. I mean, with a, with a big role, I mean, even if it was someone like blue Marvel, Adam Brasher or whatever, make it's, it would be, it would get out. It just would get out it's too, especially if it, again, if they're a reoccurring role, you know? So yeah. yeah.
0: Well, there were so many leaks about this series that I have a hard time believing that's one they'd be able to keep secret. Um, except for, you know, with blue Marvel or Adam Brashear, like that one, I could kind of see it because it is a more obscure character. And so it's, it's easier to keep secrets when it's stuff, it's information that nobody's really looking for. Um, But still, a lot of this stuff finds a way to get out. But I don't mind that this wasn't a big reveal. Uh, We go back to the circus, and uh, Darcy agrees to go out with Vision, but she's ordering the lobster. But now Vision wakes her up. I loved the mime bit of, like, that tray's too heavy. It's a mime uh, and Darcy's name, but you're bad back. Uh, So uh, Darcy wakes up. I liked her bit because she was invested in the show that she always secretly wanted a guest spot, but that sucked another reference to this experience for people who are under this uh, hypnosis or whatever you call it, this this mental and emotional manipulation within Westview. This is not a pleasant experience for those who are under this spell. And then, of course, Darcy suggests they take the conversation on the road and they get away in that funnel cake truck from last week. Vision's first question, I love how it speaks to his priorities, are my children safe? And uh, Darcy of course can't answer that question. She doesn't know. Vision wants to know about the imposter Pietro. And of course, Darcy doesn't know. And I also like, I mean, they call back to, Vision recognizes her real name, Darcy Lewis, from the email that we saw in previous episode. And with the, when he first woke up Norm, the first person that Vision awoke inside of Westview. So we get a little bit of a callback to that with with the reference to the email. But then the getaway, when we talk about being true to form, with Modern Family, that feels like a very chaotic, you know, physical stunt sort of thing that would from time to time happen in episodes of Modern Family uh, with, you know, punching the, I mean, I don't know, there was a lot of, I don't remember a whole lot of punching in Modern Family, but Darcy slugging the strongman. but then just the silliness of how they get away driving this ridiculous uh, funnel cake truck. But I like that back and forth again between Vision and Darcy. That was a pairing I, I didn't know we needed in the MCU. But it was a lot of fun seeing them play off of each other, Cat uh, Dennings and Paul Bettany.
1: Yeah, I did like the. Uh, I, I again, I like just seeing Paul Bettany and seeing him kind of in that in the '90s uh, get up. It, it, his costume looks so different in that in that that mm-hmm. lighting of the, of the of the sitcom. It's just so funny to see it in a different like you know yeah. shade and, and and without all the um not the dramatic
0: epic cinematic lighting of the mcu exactly
1: yeah it it just but again it didn't look bad no it looks great it looks great but it's just funny to see it in a different light like oh man this is a it looks different so yeah that was a i I just love seeing paul bettany just work as vision He's, he's so good yeah he's
0: awesome and we go back to wanda at home losing control of her home everything is glitching now into different time periods the stork comes back from episode three and then mm-hmm. a red cloud, and then, as you know, the red smoke that didn't make it disappear, but the stork doesn't hang out this time, uh, Wanda says to the interviewer, "I don't understand what's happening, why it's all falling apart, and why I can't fix it." The interviewer talks back, which is not a staple of those sitcoms. They're just speaking to camera. You don't hear the producer or interviewer talking to the interviewee, but we do hear, "Do you think maybe this is what you deserve?" And The voice sounded a little weird to me. It sounds like a male voice, but it actually is Catherine Hahn's voice modified, which totally makes sense based on what's going to be revealed at the end of the episode. But I also love the way Elizabeth Olsen plays it with the confusion from Wanda, really taken aback by it, and then just saying, you're not supposed to talk. And this is a really interesting Mm. realization by Wanda Because it's one thing when Vision is not doing what he's supposed to do, like she kind of talked about he cut her off, but because then she was going to reveal that she was manipulating him, she would have had to admit that. It's one thing for Vision to not be doing what he's supposed to do because he's going to work for the Neighborhood Watch or he's lying about doing that instead of taking the kids trick-or-treating as a family. Vision's not here. This isn't somebody who's normally arguing against Wanda. This is all supposed to be, this me time is all supposed to be in service of Wanda. There's nobody else's opinions or concerns or thoughts that are supposed to factor into this at all. And now this interviewer who's not even really supposed to exist because this is all artificial as she's talking to camera. The, and the show is for nobody, by the way. Like that, that's why this really is in Wanda's mind totally for her. The broadcast signal isn't even going out anymore. So this is really all for Wanda. And yet this interviewer talks back. Somebody is doing what they're not supposed to do at a time when Wanda really should be more in control of this reality than she's ever been, and yet she has less control over this than she's ever had, which we see with, of course, the way things are changing in the house, but then also, now it's not just uh, it's not just objects in a house that are changing without her willing them to do so. This seems to be some sort of person who is doing something. That they're not supposed to do, um, and people aren't allowed to do what they're not supposed to do uh, unless Wanda is giving them instructions, which of course makes it what they're supposed to do.
1: Yeah, again, I, I love, I love the natural build of the breakdown of Wanda here, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's a coincidence either that as she expands her bubble of of the of the hex, mm. she's starting to break down and there's limits and she's, she's being tested and um, they, they, they brought it up to, you know, Pietro brought, you know, was referencing it, you know, questioning her, how are you doing this? How, and again, I'll, I'll get into more of that later on as well as we get to the, the a, a certain, a couple of certain scenes uh, coming up here uh, even before the end. But no, I, I think that she's starting to break down, I think emotionally, I think from a power level standpoint, she's starting to lose control because she's expanding herself too far in many different ways. So you're seeing that. And I think that's another reason why you're seeing the breakdown. It's not because I think the emotional impact is always there. Right. But right now with her expanding her powers, it's starting to like, you know, mess with her and she's starting to lose it just a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's a great point. You know, the bigger this thing gets, the harder it is to control because she's very, very powerful. But this is the MCU. Everybody has to have limits no matter how powerful they are, because mm-hmm. if power is unlimited, there is no story to tell. Right. So because mm-hmm. it's like, well, they can just do whatever they want with a thought. Yeah. So it's over. Bye. So I, I think that's a really good point, though, is that Wanda is extremely powerful perhaps as powerful of a character as there is or the most powerful character in the MCU up until this point, there's a very valid argument to to be made for that. Certainly even Kevin Feige has made that argument in favor of Wanda. But as powerful as she is, that doesn't mean having power isn't the same thing as being able to wield it uh, and control it in a way that isn't necessarily destructive. And so yeah, as Wanda is using more of that power, the more difficult it is for her to control. So that's a great call out. We go to our ad this week, and I wanna give a shout out to Jules from our Patreon and Discord community. He totally called this, that it that we were gonna get a pharmaceutical ad this week. It's for a drug called Nexus, because let's just be real. I mean, pharmaceutical ads have been taking over our commercial breaks for this in the entirety of this current century. So if you're watching network sitcoms, or you're watching NFL games, or whatever you're watching, <laughs> Yep. We are inundated with pharmaceutical ads. There is no doubt about that. So it was a perfect call for that to be the ad in this era. Our main commercial actors are back. We have the woman who we've seen who's been more of the mom in some recent ads. Um, the, her husband in previous ads or the guy fanning her with a big leaf uh, in, a, in the episode three Hydra ad is the pharmacist this time. So we have our main actors back. And we have a voiceover for this ad for Nexus that says feeling depressed, like the world goes on without you. Do you just want to be left alone? Obviously Wanda just wants to be left alone right now. Ask your doctor about Nexus, a unique antidepressant that works to anchor you back to your reality. Wanda certainly seems like she needs an anchor back to her reality, but then there's also the caveat or the reality of your choice. Side effects include feeling your feelings, confronting your truth, seizing your destiny, and possibly more depression. You should not take Nexus unless your doctor has cleared you to move on with your life. Nexus, because the world doesn't revolve around you, or does it? So what does this mean? Well, as we discussed last week with the Yo! Magic ad, the ads have transitioned from being the terrible trauma tour of Wanda's past to really now focusing on how it's affecting her presence. So Yo! Magic was kind of about the current doubt. that's the snack for survivors because her magic doesn't work on the dead and she's having these current she was having actively those doubts about Pietro because her ma- he can't be real because my magic doesn't work on the dead i cannot have brought back pietro and of course doubts about vision and what his status would be were it not for this existence of this tv reality of westview and so nexus is just the ad that wanda wants it's just the It's the solution to the problems that she's having, or at least it seems like that. She's not feeling anchored to her reality. It's spinning out of control. So this ad comes in that offers a solution, how to anchor to that reality, but also, or a reality of your choosing. So Wanda needs to be at peace, but she isn't. And Nexus claims that it will offer you the opportunity to feel your feelings and seize your your truth. But it promises, what it promises isn't really the healing that Wanda needs, which is not a commentary on pharmaceuticals and and treatment of depression in general, specific to this show and what's happening right now with here with Wanda, is that it's offering a solution that feels comfortable, that feels like this gentle surrender, but it isn't really, because it's still treating reality as optional for Wanda. And that's part of the problem that she's having. And it's it's telling Wanda, well, the world doesn't revolve around you or does it? It does if that's what you want. It can Mm. anchor you to reality or the reality of your choosing. Like I was saying before with the comment about candy that you can, tips for how to resist the temptation to eat that leftover candy or just go ahead and eat it all. That's kind of what this is. Nexus will help you move on with your life and get back to reality. Or it will just help you stay in this reality that you have chosen for yourself, Wanda. Who cares if it's true? You get to seize your truth by choosing what your truth is going to be. So Nexus is offering the opportunity for Wanda to move on and move on in the right and healthy way, but it's also offering her the easy way out of just stay where you are and we'll make this better for you so it won't quite be as, as crazy as it feels right now.
1: Yeah, this was uh, the ad that as I was watching it, I was laughing hysterically because, oh my God, they nail it. (laughs) Oh Oh, my God. Oh my God. It's like so perfect. Oh, it's so good. Um, I mean, they've nailed all the ads, but it just was, this was almost, it almost was too real. You know what I mean? I was like, man, this is, this is almost too much like I'm watching a real ad. I really wish they had
0: thrown in like one of the, you know. I mean, I understand why they didn't, because it's just bathroom humor, but there's a lot of gross side effects that are always thrown in to those. Um, But also, a lot of those ads talk about, you know, side effects and conditions that could be fatal. Um, So it's like, it's it's supposed to help you, but it might kill you. Um, Yeah, 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 but the way they, the delivery of the side effects, though, was totally on point and obviously fitting for what Wanda's going through at the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this was... As I was watching this and they said Nexus, I went, oh, "Wait a second.
0: Yeah, same.
1: I, I was like, "Wait a minute. I know this name." Mm-hmm. Now, and I'm, for those who are wondering that I'm gonna, that are prepared for me to spout some like massive deep knowledge, this is something that I will admittedly I did I could not place exactly where I knew that name. I've heard the name mm-hmm. a number of different times through different things or whether it be, you know, reading about something or I'd be reading a comic or what, whatever, but I did not know exactly off the top of my head, like, Oh, this is what they're doing. Blah, blah, blah. You know, no, no, I, I kind of just was like, huh. And it took me again, watching some videos this morning. I went, uh, you know, or I'll start here. I'll start here. When I first heard it, I went, okay, I, I need to go revisit that. But then my friends and I, we went and watched the uh, desolation to smile. It's a whole different story. Um, and, uh, but I was meant to research it later. And when, this morning when i got you know got around to it you know thinking oh yeah the nexus thing saw a video on it and i went oh and i i'll be honest you know what this could be which this could be a number of different things but you kind of brought up sean i didn't even know about what you brought up uh, with me today before the show so there was i just want to say that this was a real deep cut Mm -hmm. like this was this was not something that a lot of just even people like me who you know read a lot of comics, from, you know, and know these characters pretty well. Maybe not all were either remember and know exactly what they're hitting on, you know. And again, this could be multiple different things. But I didn't even go, you know, to us to whatever um, to where I think it could be going. But there is the one thing that I will say that I think could benefit from, or not benefit, but rather kind of proves it could be on the right track a uh, theory is this could be emphasizing the Nexus um, of all dimensions mm-hmm. uh, so which they have referenced in recent comic books literally in the last like couple months so w- that's like the only thing I would say like that you yeah. know where I could tip my hand to that but Sean you well, had well let's explain yeah, what but, that
0: is first the Nexus yeah. of all realities are actually there is an MCU Nexus already and I know some people are thinking, wait a minute, haven't they said that word in the MCU previously? Yes, they did. You are correct. It was in Avengers Age of Ultron. Mm -hmm. Tony traveled to the Nexus and Oslo is like the center of the internet because they were trying to figure out who was keeping Ultron from getting nuclear codes because he had been trying to access them and somebody was blocking him. That somebody was what was left of Jarvis. And of course, that led to Jarvis being brought back and being Part of vision and the whole thing. You saw Age of Ultron. Or if you haven't, go watch it. It's an underrated MCU movie. So that was the MCU reference, but it wasn't really about multiverse or anything like that. It's just about the internet. So the nexus of all realities in the MCU or in Marvel Comics is it's a cross-dimensional gateway. It is the gateway to all other gateways. So like this is the center of all any and all possible realities that could exist it also happens to be guarded by the Man-Thing. So I don't think Man-Thing is showing up in WandaVision. Let's not add to the list of characters that we all think might pop up in WandaVision, but probably are not. So uh, setting that aside, that's what we're talking I mean, because we've been talking about the multiverse quite a lot, right? Pietro just so happens, whoever he is, just so happens to look like the Pietro and be played by the same actor who played Pietro in the Fox X-Men universe. So we have possible multiverse things going on here, and Wanda is reshaping reality. She is rewriting reality Mm -hmm. at will here, although apparently not entirely at will because she's losing control of it. So that's the nexus of all realities. And so that could be what this is referring to, but there is something else that is much, much more specific to Wanda, and that is that Wanda is a nexus being. And I can't take credit for this. Like I, the, the first person I can see who wrote an article about it was Phil Owen from The Rap. And I don't know if that was, if it popped up on Reddit first or where the fan theories or discoveries of, you know, who noticed this reference or the alternative to the nexus of all realities, but Wanda being a nexus being. I don't know who caught that first, but as soon as I saw people were talking about that, I'm like, okay, well, let me see where that is. And it refers to, a lot of that started in a Dan Abnett, uh, Andy Lanning, or Albert and Landmine, as they are affectionately known for longtime fans of MCU Fan Show and the podcast, (laughs) um, who wrote, of course, the Guardians of the Galaxy run, much of which that roster is certainly the basis for the Guardians roster that we've enjoyed in the MCU. But they wrote a Scarlet Witch miniseries, a four-issue miniseries in 1994, that explained how Wanda is a Nexus being. And They're basically beings who are, they have the ability to affect, like, probability and reality within their dimension, and only one of them can exist in a single dimension at a time, but every single dimension, every single parallel Earth has their own nexus being, and Wanda is one of them, and I'm going to leave it there for now, because to really talk about that and how it could factor into this story of WandaVision... We'll have to wait until we get to the Agatha reveal uh, because in order to talk about it and explore everything, I don't want to jump ahead of where we are in the episode. Mm -hmm. So the nexus of all realities and the nexus beings are some of the things that maybe we're working with here, or maybe the name is just an Easter egg and nothing more. We shall see. But we return from the ad to Agnes's house. This is our first time hanging out in Agnes's house. And Billy likes it here. He's petting Senior Scratchy. Uh, Billy likes it because it's quiet and then he notices that Agnes is quiet quiet on the inside which Mm. is an observation but it's also kind of a dig because Agnes on the outside is not quiet she doesn't stop talking so I really like that uh, the way they have that line that feels very mysterious and spooky and meaningful and is also a shot fired at Agnes but anyway Billy likes that uh, likes that it's quiet there notices that Agnes is quiet And so I mentioned before, Billy, it was noisy in Billy's head at the beginning of this episode, and I think that noise is the suffering of people inside of Westview. Agnes is not suffering. She is not under Wanda's influence. She's not being forced into anything. She is right where she wants to be, and I like that Billy clocks it. I don't think he fully understands why, but he does notice it. And maybe that's just Agnes masking her thoughts, but I don't think she needs to. Again, because I I think if we show that Billy has these empathic abilities last week, and I think that's part of why, and that's part of why it's so noisy, right? It's so many more people just entered Westview because they were enveloped in the hex as Wanda expanded it. So now there's all these new screams happening inside of Westview internally in people's minds. And I think Billy is picking up on that, but Agnes not suffering at all. Everything is going exactly as she planned, uh, as we will see later on. But I also love how, just how comfortable or uncomfortable, rather, Agnes is uh, about the kids when they're asking about their mom. And I mean, Agnes is part of what's making their mom uncomfortable. But, uh, you know, who wants to tell a 10 year old that their mom's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? She does mention the name Ralph again. So uh, another reference to her husband, whom we have not seen in the show, still don't know if we're going to see him and he's going to represent someone else uh, or if he's going to be just always, always, always off screen and just a thing that Agnes made up as part of this, uh, you know, part of the facade of this sitcom reality and and playing her part in it. But I like that Billy was able to pick up on uh, how quiet Agnes is on the
1: inside. There's a lot going on here, and again, without jumping very far ahead or whatever, I think that there's significance with Agatha having the kids there for multiple reasons. And I think the main one that I read into it was, I think she wanted to see what not because Sean, you brought up the fact that Agatha was urging, wanted Mm -hmm. to have children Mm -hmm. and, and all you could also look into that as, Agatha or whatever is in control of Agatha um,
0: Agatha urgent... Agatha's
1: in control of herself I don't think so it's Agatha all along they, they sing it to you I don't believe it and I have reasons I got theories I got I got I got I got receipts but uh, or we'll have receipts whatever it is whatever that term is I don't know whatever the kids say here's the thing I think that there's and what we see again without going too far ahead I think that there's she she or whatever wants to see what is exactly in charge, like what how these kids are created because it was urging it was almost pushing Wanda to a certain extent to get somewhere. And I think that they were, they were whatever was pushing Wanda or Agatha or whatever whatever it is was pushing Wanda to create these to create these beings and seeing how they were. So it's she sees them from you know in Wanda's you know viewpoint. We brought that up, but now that they're out of it, I think she, she wanted to see like, how like real and how like authentic they were without her around. Like how how realistic, how viable are these beings? You know, kind of a thing. Is that how I kind of read into it? Because she she was just kind of almost observing them from a standpoint of, that that I read into. It wasn't just like you know I'm I've got evil deeds. It felt very much like you know. She's analyzing them. That's the way I read into it, that whole scene anyway. Even when, you know, before knowing what the reveal is at the end of the show. Um, yeah, like that's what, I, that's what I looked into it. So I felt like whatever, whether it's Agatha or whatever, is looking to see the viability of these two creations that Wanda created. Because Wanda created the whole hexus, right? She created this whole reality. But not just you can you can alter the reality around you, but can you create life? That is a big deal, and the fact that she's done this is is a big deal. And I think that we're gonna get maybe a reason why potentially that Agatha is interested in this, how viable these these beings are. So I looked into that whole even before the reveal. I thought it was very interesting on on the, the way that scene read to me anyway.
0: Yeah, I think she knew how viable the kids were and how viable they were going to be because that's why she wanted them in the first place. And, and and I don't really think I don't see her so much as evaluating the kids at that moment, As although she is a little bit taken aback at Billy knowing that she's quiet on the inside and, and being sort of suspicious of it, realizing, OK, yeah, this kid is pretty powerful. But it's almost like a warning to mm. Agnes to understand that she's not just dealing with a 10-year-old. This is an extremely powerful 10-year-old and and not going to be quite so easy. But there's also that whole thing of manipulating them by just being nice. We're watching TV, we're having peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and you get to pet the rabbit, and all these things to make the kids as comfortable as possible so that maybe they let their guard down because they were a little hesitant to go with Agnes in the first place, So she has to cozy up to them in the same way that she kind of cozied up to Wanda. They are extremely powerful. So if I'm going to be able to do whatever I need to do with them, like I I need to whatever she's done with them by the end of this episode, which we don't know, but in order for Agnes to really be able to control them in in whatever way she needs to, she needs to chip away at their resistance ahead of time. And I think that's partly what she's doing here. Uh, we switch back out to Outside the Hex, and now we get a, our superhero origin moment of not just the week, but really the show. We knew that this was coming, and it was every bit as beautiful and magical as it deserved to be. So we're outside with Monica piloting this rover, and it, of course, doesn't work, but when they suit up, like, I love the determination on Monica or Tiana Paris's face, When she says moving out, she's so sure, so determined to just proceed with this mission to help Wanda. And I, get, of course, talked about her quote of the week: "of I know how Wanda's feeling, and I won't stop until I help her." And we just see that heroism continuing, that compassion, that empathy continuing to shine through in this episode. And I also love uh, Jimmy Woo's kind of concern. And uh, of course, Goodner says exactly what won't happen: that she's going to sail right through unharmed in in the rover. The rover does not work. Monica barely escapes in time before the thing gets thrown out, and uh, Jimmy Woo and Goodner and everybody else, they almost get hit by it because they're running towards Monica to help her uh, as she's fallen out. But Monica, she takes off the helmet. There's no gloves, and Jimmy Woo sees the look on her face, knows exactly the choice that Monica is making, and screams out, no, but Monica's going in, Unprotected, as I said, no helmet, no gloves. She just goes right into the barrier, and she fights her way through it. And this scene looked incredible. I mean, visually, it was stunning, and it was also just so emotional at the way they were able to incorporate the voiceovers here. Like we see these different versions of Monica, including young Lieutenant Trouble, who was played by Akira Akbar in Captain Marvel. In well, it was 1995 in the MCU, but it was uh, just a couple of years ago uh, when we saw her uh, with Captain Marvel in theaters in 2019. That part was great, but then the voices that we're hearing, uh, we hear young Monica, we hear Maria Rambo, uh, played by Lashana Lynch, and we, we hear that debate again about Maria going up into space in Captain Marvel to help out, uh, Maria thinking she couldn't leave Monica behind. Monica talking about the idea of maybe I could fly up and meet you halfway, which points to, of course, her future in space travel and and being a superhero, as we are about to see. And even a line from uh, Nick Fury, only if you learn to glow like your Aunt Carol. Well, Monica is about to glow and Maria saying, and you're the most powerful person I know. Uh, then we hear other voices, uh, voiceover from moments we've seen in this series, Dr. Harley notifying Monica about her mother's death, Jimmy Wu talking about how Maria was a true inspiration. And then we get that line that we heard again, uh, that we heard earlier in this series when Monica woke up from being vanished. Uh, your mom's lucky when they were handing out kids, they gave her the toughest one. And Monica powers through, she's able to merge all of these versions of herself as she was being split apart within the barrier to the Hex. And then the eyes light up, uh, glowing blue. She makes it through the barrier, eyes glowing. And we can see that now Monica, when these lights are blue, when her eyes are blue, like she's seeing, I think she's seeing Westview for what it is. The light, the radiation, the multiverse, whatever is going on here. She's seeing it it as it truly is. And then she takes off running into town. I thought this sequence was so good. I mean, the voiceovers... And just the determination on Monica to power through all of this, as I'm sure this was a very painful experience and we know what she was faced with as far as the reality of, hey, you've been through this twice already and it's causing problems and those problems are almost manifesting themselves in ways that, where your cells are metastasizing and going into remission, similar to what you maybe notice on your mom's blood work who died of cancer. Everything that Monica is facing and everything that she's been challenged by emotionally, physically all coming to a head and she pushes through for no other reason than it's the right thing to do. And she's in a position where she feels uh, that she can help and and she needs to help. And I just absolutely loved this origin of whom Mm -hmm. I think most of us expect to be Photon in the MCU as the of the many selections you can make for superhero names for Monica Rambo. Her mom's call sign in the MCU seems to be the one and her power seemed to represent that.
1: Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. I mean, the, her mom's call sign I, uh, telegraphs that, which is fine. I, I like the name Photon actually a lot. I think that was the one, uh, a, the first one after um, her Captain Marvel moniker, I believe. And then she went to Spectrum more recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that, that's accurate. No, this was a great scene. Um, and I talked about it last week that how the origin of of, of Monica is... Is really cool because again this show is is, you know obviously meant for everybody but I love how it can help teach not just kids but everyone that doing the right thing whether it it means like it kind of it looks uncomfortable at first and it could you know you don't know the outcome of it great things can happen from it still and I think that And again, you can become more powerful in a very, again, this is very thematic or heavy on themes from doing so. And and even though it's very literal here with with this, I love that idea that the reason she got her powers is by trying to help somebody in the process and did not expect, did not know what to expect when she went through that barrier one more time. And I, I love that. That to me is what. I love that's why I love superheroes in general is what they represent and how that because they helped teach me morals and things and the right thing to do by reading the comic books and things like that was, was those morals that the writers put in that I learned and adopted for myself as you know as I grew up and everything and just you know those things matter those kids pick up on those things they they see that like that's you know and adults see that too I mean not just kids but it's those are important things to put in, in stories like this, these morals, these these themes, these, these myths or whatever. These are what we love to see and help us kind of learn about the you know ourselves and, and the world. So so anyway, this whole part was great. I loved it. And I love seeing the fact that she had her powers. It was, you know, mm-hmm. we we all knew it was happening. It was I mean, they set it up last week. Right. But it was great to see it. In the context of what I'm like, okay, so like, you know, through this, this, uh, returning to the to hex or whatever, she's got her powers and you see that like it's starting, it it's going on. So it was cool to kind of see like, okay, we're not, it's not just going to go through and she's going to walk around like a nor- normal person that this was the first indication of like, no, she's, she's changed. So that was really cool. It was like It kind of sets up later on. Yeah. But also, I think just going forward, like now like you can kind of hit the ground running with the character.
0: Yeah, and it was true to the rules that they really set up last week. I mean, we know from our comic book background of like, well, yeah, Monica Rambo is a superhero. She was Captain Marvel before Carol Danvers was, and Photon and Spectrum and these other superhero identities that she had. We know this is a superpower character in comic books. So the question wasn't really if that was going to happen in the MCU. It was more along the lines of when. But even if you take out the external knowledge that we have from the comic books and just focus on what we've had in the story, they have been setting this up, her lab results being unclear, or almost as if the labs had never happened, except for the blood work that ends up being revealed later. But even that gives us the math of this. Like, okay, well, you've been through it twice, which is a unique thing for Monica. Everybody else goes through it maybe once. Um, but she's been through it twice because she's gone in then out. But now they also introduced the idea that she can't go through again because something really bad will happen, which really points to because we know that she's going to we can tell because of Monica being who she is and who she's shown us who she is. We know that she's going to go back through and the third time is going to be the charm. And that is, in fact, the way that it plays out. So, you know, they really were kind of straightforward and in, in letting us know that this was going to happen, but it's about how they constructed it how they wrote this character, the beautiful dialogue that she has had. But even more than that, I mean, just the performance from Tiana Paris has just been everything to really enrich all the wonderful things they've given this character to say. It's that delivery, the performance that brings it all home. And Tiana Paris has just been so great in this series. And this scene was no exception at all. I just absolutely loved it, and I think that it's been such a wonderful superhero origin story that we have had baked into this show, and one of the best MCU introduc- uh, introductions that we've enjoyed for any character with Monica Rambo slash Photon slash whatever superhero identity she adopts, uh, which is probably Photon, but just in case there's anything else that may pop up that she may choose to use uh, at some point. But once that is done, I mean, Monica is running into town. We will see her again in the episode, but we have to go back to our road trip conversation between Darcy and Vision, and Darcy fills Vision in on everything that happened, because remember, Vision doesn't remember anything before Westview. Darcy gives him the rundown of all that transpired, including how Vision died twice. Wanda killed him to save half the universe. Oh, but the bad guy rewound that and killed Vision again, and Wanda had to watch, And so, vision is all of this is registering with vision, and he's understanding because I don't because he didn't remember what happened outside of Westview, he couldn't really appreciate what Wanda had gone through. You know, he couldn't really appreciate that in in quite the same way, which he will acknowledge uh, later on in the episode. But uh, they're also noticing something else as vision is getting a history lesson for himself and Wanda. They notice that there sure are a lot of red lights out here in the middle of nowhere on the edge of town. So why are they being stopped? And then light turns green, but then the road work shows up and Vision believes Wanda is creating these, impe- these impediments to prevent him from getting home. And I love Paul Bettany just being annoyed and saying, I'm not amused. <laughs> but uh, we also know the this other thing, though, is that what we know that Vision doesn't is Wanda isn't doing this because she's wondering why Vision hasn't come home. She wouldn't be wondering that, or if if vision has even come home, and she wouldn't be wondering those things and assuming that vision is making a choice not to be there if Wanda was the one preventing him from being there. So it's Agatha all along who's preventing uh, vision from getting there. We know he can fly, and he will later, but he's in the middle of this conversation, getting this information that he needs from Darcy. Um, so his vision is getting this history lesson. he's also wondering, what am I now? And that's something we're all still wondering, and Darcy is as well. Like, she doesn't totally know. She says that she just assumed Wanda flipped a switch, but she doesn't understand why Vision can't leave the hex. But the love that Darcy has witnessed between Vision and Wanda, she says, is real. So for all the phony sitcom stuff, there is a real love story at the heart of it uh, between these two characters, which, of course, is very, very sweet. So we go to Monica meeting Wanda again. The last time Monica was in Wanda's living room, she was uh, rather unceremoniously thrown out, uh, carried all the way out, uh, not just out of the house, but entirely out of Westview. And uh, Monica tries to tell Wanda what Hayward was trying to do. I think what Monica doesn't know is that Wanda already knows that. And Wanda just shuts it down. Don't talk to me about that. I don't want to hear about it. And Wanda likens it to everything that S.W.O.R.D. has done. You know, she compares, she talks about the missile, the drone, but she also blames S.W.O.R.D. for Pietro. So here's Wanda not totally understanding, like, who her real enemies are. I mean, S.W.O.R.D. is an enemy for something that she did know before all this started, what S.W.O.R.D. was trying to do with Vision, but at the same time, she doesn't, like, she just assumes that S.W.O.R.D. is the one and only antagonist, again, She's not suspicious of Agnes and doesn't wonder why and hasn't wondered why she's so automatically comfortable with Agnes. Um, But Sword is not behind Pietro. Wanda assumes, though, that they were behind this imposter. And now Wanda sees, though, that Monica has powers because in a similar fashion to Monica using her hex powers to take Monica or Geraldine all the way out of Westview, she uses that again to send Geraldine out of the house, but she's just holding Geraldine or now Monica up there and Monica comes crashing down, full superhero landing, light up eyes, the whole thing, uh, and Wanda is realizing, like, oh, wow, uh, this person has powers. I don't know if she is, I don't know that Wanda is intimidated by that, but I do, Wanda is certainly fascinated by this idea, taken aback by this person having these powers, and probably wondering exactly how that happened, because there was no previous indication that Wanda would have had that Monica was going to have these powers, and, and maybe that's, Wanda realizing that maybe some of what she's doing is just continuing to have effects that she didn't really intend. Um, But when Wanda is saying that everything that Monica says is a lie, Monica comes back and says, the only lies I've told are the ones you put in my mouth, which is true and totally fair for Monica to say. But Wanda uh, Wanda threatens Monica. Monica says, go ahead and do it. You can take me out. But Wanda doesn't do it. And This is Monica being right again. Monica being right about how on some level, you know I'm an ally. On some level, you may not understand why, but you trust me. And I mean, on some level, Wanda hasn't even thought about why she trusts Agnes, but that's a totally different thing. So Monica is pointing this out and saying like, this is what makes Wanda different from Hayward. And this is why Wanda or Monica isn't seeing Wanda as just some evil being because there is some judgment there there are some and there is some sense of morality and ethics within Wanda as crazy as all of this is and it certainly doesn't make what Wanda is doing is okay but there seem to be some lines that Wanda won't cross Hayward doesn't really seem to have any lines that he's not going to cross and when Monica says don't let him make you the villain Wanda says maybe I already am that's Wanda's guilt showing up here it's it's bubbling it boils over that she just has to let that out that is maybe Wanda feeling like it's just, it's too late now. Like I I didn't intend to do a bad thing. I didn't intend to hurt anyone, but this is just kind of where I'm at. And do I just have to lean into this or accept that this is my role? But Monica is speaking out against that. Meanwhile, Agnes is noticing all of this, uh, because now we actually see her looking through the window. She's made all these observations previously through her window. Uh, which wasn't true. But this one, she actually saw through the window, as we see. And then Monica just continues to get some of the best dialogue. I'm not afraid of you, Wanda. I lost the person closest to me, too. The worst thing I can think of has already happened to me, and I can't change it. I can't undo it. I can't control this pain anymore, and I don't think I want to because it's my truth. Such a beautiful speech there from Monica. That Mm -hmm. sums up so much of everything, I mean, first off, it's as relatable as it gets, you know, anybody who's been in a position where you've lost someone, it does feel like, in many ways, it points to Monica not being afraid, right, that's part of the reason Monica is not afraid of Wanda, like, you can't, as she says, the worst thing I could think of has already happened to me, like, for Monica, losing her mother, the person she was closest to, that was worse and more frightening to Monica than death at the hands of Wanda and Wanda's hex powers. There's not really much to fear anymore because, I mean, I think there would be other things Monica would be afraid of. Losing other people would certainly be a fear that she would maintain. But Monica revealing that truth and acknowledging the pain and acknowledging that that hopeless feeling of this terrible thing has happened and there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. But then there is that last part that Wanda's been struggling with, which is the acceptance. Because what Wanda has been trying to do is control her pain, control her pain by masking it with this sitcom reality. But Monica's saying, like, look, but Wanda can't control it. She couldn't. She can't control this reality, as we're seeing in this episode. And Monica is speaking exactly to that point, even if she doesn't totally know and and obviously isn't aware of everything Wanda's been going through in this episode. But just speaking to that thing of like, you can't control this pain and don't even bother trying to control it. It's part of your truth. And you have to accept that and move forward with that, uh, knowing that that will always be a part of you. There is a little bit or maybe more than a little bit. There is a certain void. There is a certain pain, and that's just going to be part of who you are going forward. It doesn't have to be all of who you are, but don't deny it as part of you because that's... By denying it, that's what's actually making it grow and making it even more difficult uh, to control and, and and deal with it in a healthy way.
1: Yeah, there's a lot here where, again, kind of going back to what I said before, the whole idea of she got her powers through trying to help Wanda. And also right here, what's going to help Wanda is not is acknowledging the pain, acknowledging what's going on and and. Uh, letting her know that she's not alone and again, which is a message to everyone that Mm -hmm. is dealing with trauma and and hurt and sadness is that they aren't alone, that there's other people out there that can share, uh, you know, your pain and, but then also can, you know, heal, help heal each other from that pain. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what, uh, Monica is doing here. It's obvious what she's doing here. And it's great because I think the, again, her, the imagery and the symbolism of her having her power Is, you know, Rwanda's like, no, I'm more powerful than you. I can shut you out. And then all of a sudden, Monica's like, no, you can't shut me out. Mm -hmm. Is like, oh, wow, like you're right. Like we're we're more equal now than, than I realize. And it made her kind of think like the idea of like, no, like we're on the same level. We're not, you're not more, your grief is not more powerful than me, essentially, is what that is. And that you have to listen to this. And it was, again, the imagery, the ideas behind there is really, really cool. And this is where I really think the show. And I think this is where I think the medium of television, Sean, really benefits, I think, these characters and these stories so much more than a film does in in that aspect anyway. And I'm not saying a film can't do that because films do that all the time. And, and you know, but with this, you can really go along and develop things and have it, that impact where I think this really was probably my favorite part of the episode, to be quite honest, mm-hmm. um, was when Monica basically, you know, Photon basically comes alive right here and let's want to know, like you can't overpower me so easily anymore. And if you're think, if you're from Wanda's perspective, she, she's not gonna be able to take on photon because she's got the hex expanded out so far. And, you know, and she, I think that's why she broke free too, is because, you know, Wanda's is doing too much. So it was a really great kind of, again, kind of scene and again, acting from both sides, great, great performances. So, I love this scene. It's my favorite scene in the movie. And granted, it is two superheroes like about to duke it out, which I again I I love that stuff. It's just the old Marvel zombie in me, just you know getting you know being giddy. But yeah, this was this was a great a great moment. I think, and uh, I, I loved it. So yeah, this is a uh, this is good stuff.
0: Yeah, it was very powerful, and and I don't think that um, I don't think the reason Wanda didn't ultimately attack. Monica again is I, I think I don't think it was because Monica's got powers. I think it's because she knows it's wrong to attack Monica. Monica's not saying anything that Wanda well, knows. She knows it's not no, like I don't think it's intimidation because like she's still she not threatens. Intimidation. Her. She threatens her even after seeing the powers. Like it's it's emotion that's driving this interaction. It's not necessarily physical intimidation. Like Wanda knows that I, I mean, wouldn't
1: say it's physical intimidation, what she did. I think she was surprised. Oh, no, that. she
0: was definitely, I agree that she's, she's definitely surprised that Monica has powers. But I think as far as the reason why Monica does, or Wanda doesn't continue the attack is because Monica is getting through to her. And I, I, I
1: th- that I agree with as well. I think it's a combination of both. It, I think, it, and that's what I'm saying is I think it's kind of like, it's both the surprise and that together. Cause if, if you were to break free and, a, you know, Or if she didn't break free, she would have been gone, I think, to be honest. I don't think so, so, because
0: it didn't happen the same way. And I think that is that tracks with like Monica or Wanda rather didn't really give Geraldine or Monica much of a chance to explain like once she grabbed a hold of her with the hex powers, she threw her right out. This one was a lot more gentle, didn't put her through a wall, put her through the open door and then held her up in the air and continued having the conversation, even though it was Wanda yelling at Monica. And then what happens is obviously Monica is able to break free and land safely. And I think that what Wanda was doing there is, I mean, she's still using threats because she's, she's lashing out because she's being confronted with the truth that she doesn't really want to be confronted with. Like, when does she get mad? When, when does she get really mad and start using hex powers on Monica? When Monica starts talking about what Hayward was doing. Wanda doesn't want to let her finish that sentence because Wanda doesn't want to hear it, but at the same time, Monica is going to keep pressing on this because there's a truth that Wanda needs to hear and her emotional pain is not entirely dissimilar from a physical wound. You know, I think the difference is when people are wounded physically, they acknowledge it. If you have a big cut on your arm, you don't pretend it doesn't exist, you take care of it, you address the wound, and then allow it to heal, even though it may end up leaving a scar. So it may never completely go away. And I think that's the emotional thing for Wanda is it's pain that she's been trying to deny and, and pretend doesn't exist. She's slowly been acknowledging it in different moments throughout this story. But Monica is trying to bring it all the way home. She's trying to, fill, take, trying to help Wanda make, take that last step And Wanda is, of course, threatened by that because she's not ready to, not physically threatened, but emotionally, she's not ready to let go of all this just yet. But Monica is getting through. And this is where Agnes plays the key role because she comes in at just the right or wrong time. It reminds me of the argument between Wanda and Vision at the end of episode five, where Wanda was very resistant to the things that Vision was saying. But toward the end of that conversation, it looked like Vision was just about to get through, and then Pietro shows up, and we know Agatha was behind Pietro uh, showing up at that moment, so, you know, there it is, like, she she stops it. Just when it looks like someone's about to get through to Wanda, Agatha interrupts, and she does here. Right as it looks like Monica is having an effect in, in getting through to Wanda on some level, Agnes steps in and leads Wanda away, And, you know, that's just the moment that Wanda needed because when Monica just kind of shouts as they're walking away, tells Wanda to take it down, Wanda says no and then threatens her again. But those threats have been empty threats. The threats that Wanda has made to Monica have been empty. You know, don't, uh, you know, like basically when she threatens her uh, moments before in this conversation, she doesn't really follow through on that. Even when she violently ejected or it seemed like she violently ejected Geraldine from the reality she protected her as she was doing it. She didn't want to kill her. She didn't want to harm her. She just wanted her out of the way. So the, the threats that Wanda's making, it's really just the emotional lashing out because she knows it's wrong. Like I think that's part of Wanda's internal morality and ethics is she likes to be able to convince herself that she's not hurting people. And she can. Con- she's allowed herself to believe that for the people of Westview because she's not seeing them be physically hurt. And she's not, she's not allowing them to physically manifest whatever pain they might be feeling on the inside. And Monica, like she doesn't want to physically kill anyone. And and that includes Monica, even though, yeah, some of what Monica says, yeah, triggers an emotional response and some anger, but that's, that's the fear and anger that Wanda is talking about at the beginning, the fear and anger over the losses that she's experienced and, and really having to feel the full weight of those, acknowledge them and move on in a way that just isn't denying them and pretending that they're not there. Um, So we also see a couple other things in this amazing scene. Mailman Dennis has gone uh, private sector. He's working for some package delivery service, not the US, not not the mail service anymore. Uh, We see Dottie again for the first time in a while. She is uh, smelling those roses I don't know if Dottie's really going to factor in in any important way in this story, even though she was never uh, identified on the big board uh, that we saw as S.W.O.R.D. was having their investigation. Uh, We go back to the road trip, and there's one last obstacle for Vision and Darcy, and it is an endless line of kids crossing the street. So the road work crew finishes up. They take off, but now there's in the middle of nowhere. There's no school nearby, uh, but we have these kids on a walking field trip. uh, Endless line of these kids. That, to me, feels like Agatha trolling Vision. Like, why are there no children in Westview? Well, here they all are, Vision. They're all in your way right now just because I don't want you to get home. Um, but Vision has this understanding now of what the experience has been like for Wanda. These are all memories that he was just told, so he's talking about how it's it feels like something that just happened to someone else. But he acknowledges for Wanda, you know, the validity of her emotional experience, not to her, but he's registering it in his own mind, it's just mere weeks ago for Wanda. It's only been a few weeks for Wanda with all of this stuff. I mean, obviously, years of trauma with other experiences, but with what just happened with vision, all that's been within the last few weeks, and Vision wonders what he's doing there. He takes his mic off in his interview. They also forgot to uh, they forgot to give vision his wedding ring for that he was wearing in the episode for the interview segments. Um, I don't think that's supposed to mean anything. I think they just forgot to give him the wedding ring on whatever day they filmed that. Um, And then we cut back to Vision inside the truck. That's where he actually flies away, which does answer the question. I mean, you might have been wondering throughout the episode, well, wait, Vision can fly. Why Why are red lights and road crews stopping him? And they only stopped him for as long as it needed to for him anyway. Like he was Having The the point for Vision was not like, I need a car to get into town. I need to have this conversation with Darcy because she knows truths that I don't and things that I've been wondering about that nobody else has been willing to share with me. So I I think that was the point of that. And as soon as he got all the info he needed, he flies away. But we don't see him again in this episode. We cut to Agnes's house and the vibe isn't quite the same it's not just babysitting with kids. When that one had a little bit of its own creepy vibe, but things are a lot creepier now. Agnes sits Wanda down on the couch. She goes to make some tea and Wanda notices the half-eaten sandwiches on the table. There's Yo Gabba Gabba is what that looks like to me on uh, on TV. Uh, Wanda is wondering where her kids are. She starts looking around. Senior Scratchy is in his cage. There's a green cicada on the drapes. I don't think that Billy has been turned into a rabbit because Senior Scratchy already existed. And I mean, I know you see the green cicada. Tommy's always wearing green, so that's got to be him. Maybe. I just don't know. Because it's throwing me off with Senior Scratchy having already existed. Unless, I don't know, maybe Agatha put uh, Billy's soul inside the rabbit. I don't know. Um, Anyway, Wanda finally asks the question that's clearly on her mind, She asks Agnes where the kids are. Agnes says they're probably playing in the basement. So quite naturally, Wanda goes down, and when she's in the basement, she sees a doorway, shows a much darker layer, and she steps in. We see these artifacts in light-up cases. There's a book with light emanating from it. Is that the Darkhold? Is it something else? Of course, we'll talk about it. And then Agnes slash Agatha walks in you didn't think you were the only magical girl in town, did you? She shuts the door, locks it behind her, and the the name's Agatha Harkness. Lovely to finally meet you, dear. Agatha is giving the impression that this is the first meeting between these two characters, not that there was some meeting or understanding ahead of time. We'll have to find out whether or not that's true. Agnes's eyes go purple, not red, like Wanda. Eyes go purple, and then we see that magic taking over Wanda. Her eyes go purple, And then Wanda, I believe, is seeing what we're seeing, which is the Agatha all along theme and, you know, the opening to its own series, as well as, of course, a wonderful, catchy theme song. So as I said, it's amazing. We didn't get one at the top of the show. We get one here and it's as good of a theme song as we've had. Obviously, a Munster's influence, visually, the sound of the music and the the, lyri- the the spooky nature of the lyrics and how it's all delivered. Um, it's just it's wonderful And the lyrics because it's what we do here on the show as we break it down. It's as obvious as it gets. Uh, who's been messing up everything? It's been Agatha all along. Who's been pulling every evil string? It's been Agatha all along. She's insidious, so perfidious that you haven't even noticed. And the pity is, the pity is pity, pity, pity. It's too late to fix anything now that everything has gone wrong. Thanks to Agatha, naughty Agatha. It's been Agatha all along. And then it cuts to Agatha and I and she's looking directly into camera holding dead Sparky and I killed Sparky too. And we get her evil, maniacal witch laugh. And I also like that naughty Agatha is a lyric when we saw naughty on the back of her sweatpants in the Malcolm in the Middle opening oh, yeah, last week. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the visuals, we see her what appears to be her arrival in Westview, because she seems to be in full witch garb, and then she turns into the outfit we saw in episode one. Uh, We see her uh, manipulating Senior Sparky at the talent show, influencing Herb in episode three, when Herb was acting so weird. Uh, She's the one, it's her magic, going into Pietro with his arrival in uh, the fifth episode. We see that she was faking it, as we suspected last week. We acknowledge that there were alternatives, but the suspicion was that, uh, yeah, she was sending Vision out of the hex to try and get him out of the picture one way or another, whether that meant death or whatever. Um, Yeah, she was faking it and getting Vision, giving him the last push he needed to exit Westview. And now she's been making these, uh, making it more difficult for Vision to get back. And we also see that, yes, she was the interviewer who asked that question of, you know, if this being what Wanda deserved. And I loved that bit, her looking to camera, mouthing, we're rolling and using the little gesture that you use on a set when we're rolling. um, That was just great. The theme song, the visuals, it was all great. The reveal, it was outstanding. And, um, you know, look, this is where the show, I have to give it credit for being more straightforward than we've thought. And some of that the show is helping with, like there, there have been obvious red herrings, and I'm not, there are still questions, and we will talk about and examine those questions, but I also love that this reveal, not all that dissimilar from Monica being a superhero, like, the show has been teasing these things all along, like, if you, we've been talking about this the whole time, Agatha is talking about seduction techniques, she seems to be manipulating and influencing Wanda, she wants Wanda to have kids, and now the kids are here, and here's Agatha, spraying lavender on on them. Of course, lavender is purple flower. She's got purple magic. So maybe she did have some effect on the kids from the very beginning, but we've been Mm. suspicious of Agnes this whole time. We've want, like we've known that she was up to something. We've been wondering what her deal was. And for all the talk of Mephisto and nightmare and high evolutionary and, and all these characters that may or may not factor in, although At this point, I really don't think they're gonna. Um, Slight caveat, maybe, with a couple characters, but I'll address that later. For now, though, just based on this reveal and where we are, like, this show has been, it's been giving us these clues of it being Agatha all along. She has been suspicious, and we've just been wondering. And the only thing, really, that's kept us from just locking onto this idea that it's Agatha, it's really more external knowledge from the comic books because we think about who Agatha Harkness is in the comic books, And she's not an antagonist for Wanda. Mm -hmm. She's a friend. She's a mentor. But this is the MCU, not the comics. Sometimes they go off book. And this might be an example of that. Because I I, I don't think Agatha... Agatha is advertising herself as a villain here. She's not playing this role of like, well, what I really want is actually, in the end, kind of sympathetic. And I'm really not as bad as you think I am. She's bragging about killing the dog... And laughing like an evil person. So I, I think Agatha is, is ill intended here. I, I don't think there's necessarily now she might have, th- there might be something redeemable or emotionally valid about what she wants, but she's enjoying the way that she's going about it. It's not just, I'm going, I'm going about it this way because I have to in order to get this thing that I'm, I'm not, it's not evil for me to want this. Uh, Whatever she wants may not necessarily be an evil thing, although I suspect it will be. But her tactics are wicked and evil, and she enjoys that. Um, But I I loved this reveal, and Catherine Han just, I mean, blows it out of the water. Such a great performance in every aspect of this.
1: When I was watching this and and they revealed it, I was like, hmm and 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 you're right my my knowledge is strictly from the comic books as far as where why I'm like I still don't think this adds up and I was starting to think what has the MCU departed from a character's like true nature like in the MCU completely like a 180 so agatha if this is truly agatha this would be the fr- from my knowledge, just off the top of my head right now, would be the first time they went a complete 180 with a character that would, went from from bad to good or good to bad. Maybe Nebula would be the one, that like, but that was a slow. I was more like a slow burn. She came in initially as a uh, as a bad guy, was what she was. So I'm trying to think, like, off yeah. first glance, like a complete 180 uh, introduction, everything. Who, is there anyone before Agatha that they did that for?
0: I would, for now anyway, count Nakia, who becomes malice and a villain in the MC uh, in Marvel Comics. I don't think that's the direction they're taking Lupita Nyongo's character. I mean, she's purely heroic and she's a huge part of the inspiration for what the change that needs to happen in Wakanda and that T'Challa ultimately chooses in Wakanda at the end. Like, I don't think they will take Nakia from being this uh, philosophically and just morally and ethically good and just person. To uh, she ends up feeling rejected by T'Challa romantically, and she turns into a villain like the comic books. So we have seen the. Well, we Im- don't
1: know where her character was, but that's what again. But,
0: well, there's no indication that she was uh, like she is Nakia, and there is Nakia like from the comic books, but like she is different. Like we have seen departures. In the MCU, right. and okay, like, and and that's somebody the, who's a villain in the but comics, not
1: someone who's completely 180. Because with her, we don't know the whole story yet. Like, she's got one film. And, yeah, but
0: I don't. I I would suspect that they're not going to. They're not just, planting the seeds for a villain turn with her, and I don't think they're going to. Like, that would be okay. so out of left field with how they've defined that character in the MCU. So, it
1: would make so no character. sense. That's one. That's, and then yeah, that's and, all, and we, I think we yeah. both agree that we both agree that Agatha is a bigger character than the Kia. From the comic books.
0: Yeah, but Agatha is not. Agatha She's, is totally a character that if you want to take a liberty with this character, you can do it. Like Agatha well, is not a character who world. has her own books. She's not a character who has her own following outside of her relationship with Wanda. And so I think you can.
1: She I, has a more pivotal role in the MCU than Nakia does. That is period. with. There's no argument with that. There's well, no, no
0: but argument. I, well, I mean, we don't yet know, for all we know, Nakia is going to be the next Black Panther. We don't know, but... Well, no,
1: no, no. I'm talking about in the, in, in the well, comic books.
0: Well, yeah, in the in comic the books, books two sure. Two yeah. yeah, Agatha in is a two two bigger two deal two. and a bigger character, but yeah. I don't think this is, this is not the same as, like, turning Captain America into a villain or Thanos into a good guy. Like, Agatha... You know, we do know that Marvel goes off book and this might be a different way than they've gone off book or a more extreme version of, of various ways that they've right. gone off book in the past. But that doesn't mean like that doesn't invalidate this as a creative choice for the MCU or, or make it less likely that, yeah, they are doing exactly what this says they're doing.
1: And, and, and they very well could. But that's why as I say all that to say, I don't think it's really Agatha in control if it really is Agatha at all. And the only reason why I thought that, because I'm thinking like as that was going on and I don't remember which one it was, but I was like, what Agatha? I'm like, because obviously once she got back to Agatha's home, once the kids were in Agatha's house, I went, OK, something's up here. And then when she get when, when she's inside her house and then, you know, they start setting that up even before she goes into the basement. I was thinking, OK, what's going on here? Like, this is weird. And I'm like, Agatha's behind this? Like, this, I'm like, okay, what is this? Because I, I had, re- someone had spoiled me. It's my own fault. I was on social media. I know I shouldn't have been off of it. But they had, someone had mentioned that it was blah, blah, Like, they, and to be fair, they didn't say the name. But they kind of said, you know, hinted at someone was, was, was there all along. And I'm like, okay, so what's Agatha up to or whatever? And when I got, when I, when that happened, I'm like, what the? And then when I saw the Darkhold book, I went, okay. Here we go. Like, there's, they, they've set, they all, if that's the dark hole, up-
0: but there's another yep. comic book thing it could be. But go. yeah,
1: and th- and th- this is the thing. So, and this is why I love, we talked about this before, I love what they're doing here. And this is why I don't think it's Agatha. It's why I don't think it's, it's, there's something. W- and again, you brought up a great point. We don't know if Agatha is, if this is the first time they met or not. And this is where I would say I 100% agree. And we, we and I, we've talked about this, you know, throughout, the years of, of covering the MCU, they never, they go off book all the time. It's, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of the MCU is, and I think Kevin Feige knows where to deviate and and take things. Now, if Agatha ends up being the bad guy, I'm not, if it's a great story, and this has been a great story, so I have no problem. I'm just, I'm having fun theorizing that, that's sure. that clear. I'm not trying to say like, I'm so upset if it doesn't go my way. It, that's not what I'm trying to say. I just, The reason why I'm very much still on intent on the fact that I don't think that Agatha is the, the master planner of everything is one you, she walk when soon as Scarlet Witch walks in, it cuts right to the book and the book is glowing purple, reddish, whatever. It's like a violet and you immediately know right there. I'm like, okay, they, there it is. There is an evil entity. I mean, it looks a little
0: more gold to me than purple, reddish, but yeah, there's, you know, it's it's sparkly dust uh, as far as what's emanating or from whatever.
1: that book. It, it's sparkling. It's got power radiating from oh, it. Oh, sure. And so, and we all know. And so, either way, Agatha's we know is an established witch. That is in the comic books. That's what they've established here now. That she's a powerful being. Now. I, I'm going to reference these Avenger comic books that that we, that I just read because when we were doing this, I'm like, okay, I need to research the history of High Evolutionary. So I was going through the High Evolutionary stuff, and in that in the comic series where she goes back to Wundigore, uh and she gets possessed by the this entity that is from the Darkhold, literally mm. from the Darkhold, and it possesses her. She attacks the Avengers and it's, I think it's Kython or yeah. I, you know I me, mean, I can't pronounce words. I don't know so, how to
0: pronounce Kython. I don't know how K'thon, to pronounce it. Yeah, it's, exactly. So basically the, the fan, you know, that's the new fan theory. Darling is, is Kython because of the darkhold,
1: And, and with the dark, with whatever book that is right there is, I mean like, and I, and I had, i had heard that and I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I remember there was an entity that possessed her. Okay whatever I, I was like that, if that ends up being the bad guy, that's whatever. I kind of accepted it as whatever. And then once Agatha revealed and then you see the book, I went, okay, that's how, that's how it's controlling Agatha because in the comic book, Kathan or Kython or whatever you want to say its name, it's, it's in control of Wanda using her power. So it wasn't like you, it, it had, it was power on top of that, but it was using her power as well, to, you know, because it was only a spirit. So, and that would all make sense too if you have the dark hold there and you also bring in the idea of the nexus. So I think to me and again, if Agatha really is the bad guy and they go 180 completely, I'd be disappointed because I like the idea of her powers being established before and that these weren't all necessarily from the time zone time zone <laughs> time stone or whatever reality stone or whatever she is that gave her her powers from uh, from Hydra Mindstone, but yeah, the mind stone, I forgot which one it is. I can't keep track of these things. So, with all that being said, I—that's I, where I kind of—I I gleam from it is like, man, I really hope that's Agatha is that representation of that, which she still could be, even though she is the bad guy. But I'm—I'm I'm led to believe when they showed that book in there, I went, okay, there you go. And again, maybe Agatha is being control is—is is really truly that thing, and it's evil, and it's—it could be both. Both of us could be right to an extent. I don't know. So. I we'll see, but I, I tend to believe that if Agatha truly is a bad guy, I, I'd be very surprised they took that character that route, considering what the character means to Wanda and everything in the comic books. But again, I could be wrong, and that's fine. But I, with the book there, and whether it's a dark hole or whatever you want to call it, and the ne- it being a nexus or whatever, it. It kind of—I tend to believe that Agatha is being controlled, especially with the fact that this reveals like two episodes are left, and you all have the, also have to keep in mind that we know Doctor Strange is probably coming in a cameo at some point in this. It's—it's it's almost been telegraphed at this point, and with especially with Wanda being involved in the, the multiverse of madness with Pietro's addition, it all just makes too much sense of with that. So there's there's bigger powers at bay than just I think it's Agatha, but. I could be wrong. We'll see.
0: Well, I'm not ruling out the presence of another antagonist, but I don't think that antagonist is manipulating Agatha. At some point, we got to ask, like, how long are the puppet strings? Because Agatha has been pulling her own strings and we're saying there's somebody behind her pulling the strings like in a way where like she has no control and no agency in this. I don't believe that's what's happening. I think what Agatha is doing in this story, she is choosing to do. The question is, why is she doing it? Is she doing it entirely for herself because she wants power for herself? I'll explain why there's a really strong chance that that is exactly the case in a moment, but let's acknowledge the idea of other entities being involved in this somehow. I don't think it's people, it's anyone who's already overseeing it. I think that what Agatha is trying to do and this still makes her an antagonist and not just like an unwilling antagonist, a willing antagonist in this story is maybe what she's trying to do is bring someone else back or bring someone into this reality from another dimension. And maybe that's a code name, Ralph or code name, whatever, who cares? Maybe that's a kid that Agatha has, um, Maybe that's because she has a son in the comics like Nicholas Scratch, which, you know, is the senior Scratchy reference that people have picked up on. Maybe that's Mephisto. Maybe that's I don't think it would be Nightmare. That that connection wouldn't really make sense at that point for me. But who knows? It's the MCU and they can go off book. And then C'thun, who wrote the Darkhold and the Darkhold, for those of you who don't know, is like this dark magic book. It's all the evil things that C'thun had kind of mastered that he wrote down in these scrolls that got uh, scrolls that got turned into a book. And so it is this dark occult magic um, that people have gotten a hold of and, and used and manipulated. It's already been in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which doesn't really have to matter at all in this story, because I don't think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is really MCU canon truly anymore, um, if it ever was. I mean, for the first couple seasons, it looked like that. It was later seasons when the Darkhold, uh, I think season four, when the Darkhold had its part to play in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it doesn't rule that out. Just because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did it doesn't mean the MCU won't do their own version of it. And so, yeah, that book with the light emanating from it, it could be that. And the whole idea of a villain like Agatha trying to bring another larger, more powerful entity forward, we've seen that in the MCU. Speaking of Doctor Strange, that's exactly what Kaecilius was doing with Dormammu in Doctor Strange. So you had somebody who was an antagonist who was bringing forward an even larger antagonist. So that could be the role that Agatha is playing here. But of course, you're thinking because of what I just said, haven't we seen that? And yeah, I just described how we've just seen it. So I don't know that that's really what they're doing again. Uh, But that's a fairly common trope that there's a bad person who's opening the door to something even worse. I mean, Loki was backed by Thanos, and, you know, obviously our main plot in the Avengers was battling Loki, but Thanos was still there, and Thanos was, and the Avengers didn't know exactly what he was, or who he was, or whatever, but he was still this looming threat that we knew. So that's the other thing, is if Agatha's trying to open up some portal, that character that she's opening a portal for doesn't even have to show up in this story. You know, that threat can be stopped temporarily because... Agatha gets shut down eventually in WandaVision, and then maybe there's still that lingering threat that becomes part of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and they still got to go handle uh, whoever this character is who might be part of this somehow, somehow, or even if they're not part of it yet, that Agatha is trying to bring in to be part of this. So yes, I do think there's still a scenario in which another antagonist is part of this story, but... I don't think we should discount the possibility that it is Agatha all along, and it's only... Well, I do think, no matter what, whether another villain is coming or not, up until this point in the story, I think they're telling and singing us the truth. It's been Agatha all along, up until this point, and I don't necessarily doubt that this is the first meeting between Wanda and Agatha, because visually, they suggest that Agatha, in the theme song, they suggest with her showing up in the witch outfit, that she showed up after Westview was created, um, which means maybe she can't exist like Vision. She can't exist outside of Westview. But more on that, let's expand on this idea though, that as I said, there is a very strong possibility. I, I might even wager to say it's the most likely possibility at this point that Agatha wants this power for herself, that she's trying to tap into something, whether it's the power of Wanda, the power of the kids, or every, or all of the above, that Agatha wants this power for herself. And I think, you know, she's pointing out you're not the only magical girl in town. Like, she's very taunting about it. That's why I'm saying, like, Agatha's in full villain mode. Like, I don't think she's, be, I don't think Agatha is being manipulated by anyone else. I think she's she knows what she's doing. She's enjoying what she's doing. Maybe there's somebody else who's gonna be involved, maybe not, but there's a lot of reasons why not. Going back to what I talked about with the Nexus pharmaceutical ad, I talked about the nexus of all realities, and I I mentioned briefly the idea of nexus beings. Well, Wanda is one, and in that four-issue Scarlet Witch series from 1994 from Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, Wanda reads about the nexus beings and herself being one. She reads about that in a book that's bathed in this yellow light. Um, They don't really name the book like The Darkhold, but there is a book that she reads that talks about nexus beings and what they are and how Uh, One nexus being exists in each of the multiverse's parallel worlds, but no two may exist in one dimension simultaneously, and they each have their own power. So there is the hex power that Wanda has, and there's other ones, but the one that it looks like Agatha may have is necromancy because that manifests, you know, power from death. Uh, That manifests as purple. And Agatha Harkness, in that four-issue series is not a villain. She is mentor friend of Wanda like she always is. The arch villain of that series is a character named Lore who is a nexus being from another dimension and she wears purple, uses purple magic kind of like we see Agatha doing in this. So to just help follow along with this, I'm basically looking at this as and I'm not the one who identified this story as I said. I saw it written in the rap and it was being talked about online. So I read the book and I was like, "Yeah, this kind of makes sense." So this might be a, a merger of Agatha and Lore, and we have seen, you know, mergers of characters. I mean, we kind of saw a merger between Hela and Gore, the God Butcher, and Thor Ragnarok, except now Gore gets to be his own character, and so we'll see what they do with Gore. Um, this, well, it was really more the powers of Gore that got merged with Hela, not backstory. But maybe they're just going to overlap Agatha with Lore and just let Agatha Harkness have some of that story. So. Lore could only, in this four-issue series, could only exist in spirit form on Earth. What she was trying to do was she was trying to take over Wanda's physical self. She had to possess Wanda's physical body in order to consume or devour that reality, the Marvel 616 universe. And so what she did is, is she weakened Wanda. She used agents, these demons, another character named Pandemonium, and all of that was done to drive Wanda mad and weaken her. Has Wanda been driven mad in Westview? Starting to look like it. And if we're talking about using other agents, we haven't seen demons running around. But Agatha was using Pietro or whoever that is to help drive Wanda mad and, and weaken her. So, and and Lore does this a lot. So we're talking about what if Agatha is Lore in this story, what would she want? Well, what Lore does is Lore just consumes these dimensions and then she just moves on to the next one and she takes out the nexus being when she does this uh when she whenever she undergoes this process and it's all about just gaining more power and so as lore consumes one reality and she destroys it then she moves on and she needs that solid form of the nexus being in that reality she wants to consume she needs to possess the body and so that's what she was trying to do and maybe that's what agatha is trying to do and maybe the reason why She arrived in Westview is because Wanda unwittingly created a portal that, you know, in the multiverse that Agatha was able to get through, but she couldn't get through before. Like she couldn't get through when Wanda or anyone else, like when it was just the real world, like the real MCU world. But inside Westview, because it's not quite the real thing, maybe that's the same way of Lord only existing, lore only existing in spirit form. So, I kind of feel like maybe that's what's happening with Agatha here is Wanda created this reality and that opened the door for Agatha uh, Agatha to come in, but she can only exist here unless she takes over Wanda or extracts some power from Wanda or the kids. Um, But as with all things, like I'm describing what happened in a comic book and likening it to some parallels here in the show, but all that's based on the idea that this is going to play out exactly the way the comic book did, but we already know that's not true. So there are going to be departures, there are going to be differences there are multiple comic books and series influencing this story. It looks like another one that we hadn't paid as much attention to has been identified here, but it points to the idea in the same way that Lore wasn't the one who had an evil villain behind her. She was the one who was behind the other evil villains in the story until she eventually revealed herself to Wanda. And that, so this might be the big reveal. Agatha is indeed the main primary antagonist of this story. And it's not because she wants to involve someone else. It's not because she's in service of someone else. It's because she wants power for herself. And from a character motivation standpoint, that tracks. I mean, if you're going to be so powerful that you want to take out, manipulate, take over the power of someone as powerful as Wanda and perhaps as powerful as Wanda's kids, why would you want that power for someone else? Why wouldn't you want it for yourself? Kind of like Ronan, when he was working in service of Thanos, when he realized what he was acquiring was an infinity stone, he's like, screw you Thanos, I want this power for myself. So that's where I still see Agatha being a primary antagonist in this story. I'm not ruling out the possibility of other characters, absolutely not, but I do see plenty of space in the comic books, um, as well as Marvel's own tendency to go off book and, and reinterpret these stories as they adapt them from page to screen, all of that adds up to a very, very strong possibility that not only was it Agatha all along, it's going to be Agatha going forward in this story. And that's more than enough. I I think that's another important point here is for all the speculation about other characters, if they don't show up, if there's no Mephisto or C'thon or whoever factoring into this story, like that's totally fine. This story is special enough, in my eyes anyway, just based on the players who are already involved. And if we're just carrying out the story and resolving these conflicts based on the characters who are already here and have already been present the entire time, that's more than fine with me, because I, I think that these stories only owe us what they're telling. Not They don't have to be true to everything that we speculate about and everything that we imagine might be possible in these stories, because so much of that is based on, as I said... Not information the story is giving us, but what we bring to the story because of what the comic books we're reading, or the summaries of comic books that we read online, or that we listen to in a podcast. If if I'm wrong in talking about this comic book or whatever it is, uh, we still have to judge these stories on their own terms with what they intend, and we're just we're just trying to figure it out ahead of time as we watch these episodes and, and we interpret what's happening and what it may ultimately mean, but. I love this reveal and I'm excited about the idea of Agatha being an antagonist. If they introduce someone else, that can also be fun and it can also be interesting. But Agatha Harkness as the main antagonist of WandaVision, with Hayward being like a secondary antagonist with whatever he was doing with Sword, that works really, really well for me.
1: Yeah. And I don't think that you're, you could be, I mean, I absolutely think you could be right. What, where I kind of stand is where, You know, I think it's also possible she's being manipulated. Like, you know, maybe there's they they're saying there's whatever for whatever reason, like, again, sympathetic way. I wouldn't rule that out either. I think if this was like the second to last episode, I'd be more in favor of like, okay, you're probably right. Like they're but the fact there's two episodes left, it leads me to think that there's more there's definitely more reveals coming and more to be obviously more to be explained. Sure. So that's where I would say, like, I kind of hesitate on, like, I think she's a 100% the only antagonist or as like she's operating 100% on her complete, like own authority, which she may be. But there might be other factors going on on there as well, which will lead her to be an ally. I think how about this? What whether or not happens, Agatha will be some kind of ally for Wanda and mentor to Wanda in the end. That's my prediction because I don't think it's, it's verbatim. She's this evil like creature thing. And again, if it does, then I'll be like, I'd be really surprised. It'll be one of the few times that Marvel, uh, the MCU has deviated completely from the comic books on a character as big as Agatha. Yeah. And again, that could be telegraphing what they might be doing in the future for these characters. And, and that, if that's the case, then i makes me even more excited because as someone who loves the comics and I'm not like a giant Agatha Harkness, like fan, so it's just I'm just going based off what I'm seeing. So if they're gonna if they're gonna introduce this idea of like they're gonna re, they have they're redoing everything as far as like you know what what the rules going forward, we're not gonna completely follow the books. It makes it a little more fun for me from that aspect. But I, in the end, I don't know if it's if they are, and I don't think they are. So I think Agatha, in the end, my my prediction is still is she will be end up being an ally and mentor to. Scar- uh, Scarlet Witch in some way. Yeah. So that's my that's my closing statement.
0: I look it. It may happen, but I feel like they've crossed that line already by showing that Agatha enjoys what she's doing, and you know she's been torturing Wanda, manipulating Wanda.
1: Which did it in the comics when she was possessed too.
0: Yeah, yeah, but like it's she's having way too much fun with it, and so I, I think I think Agatha's bad. I, I don't see this resulting in her being a friend and mentor to Wanda. I, I think Wanda is going to have to move past all of this in Westview. And, and Agatha, I think, is going to be a part of it. Might also have to move past Vision, uh, regrettably. But there are still lingering questions. And this is where, you know, what we think this week could all change by next week. Whether, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I say that for everything I've said, everything you've said.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Like, <laughs> here's what's going to happen next, y'all. Monologuing. Some good old-fashioned monologuing is what we're going to (laughs) get next week where Agatha is going to explain to Wanda what she's doing and why. Because I think that's where some of the hows and some of the whos have been answered. Not all of them, maybe, but like, and there's still some hows lingering, but like you have, it's the why. Why, Agnes or Agatha, why are you doing this? Okay, great. It's been you all along. You've been pulling these strings and, and doing these things to make things go wrong in in Westview. Okay, great, but why? And Agatha will probably explain that next week in a conversation with Wanda, and we will find out what Agatha wants and what she needs ultimately in order to get what she wants. And what she wants is, will go a large way in defining what her future would be. If she just wants power for power's sake, um, then yeah, she's bad. Purely, I mean, in, in order to oh, yeah. get towards the idea of her being redeemable, to be able to be a friend and mentor by the, by the end of this, it has to be like some valid thing that she would want. And it would also, it would have to be something very similar to what Wanda has been doing. Like, I can't hold it mm-hmm. against you, Agatha, for, you know... I can't hold it against you for wanting to bring someone back and, you know, screwing with me in order to make that happen.
1: And that would be a pretty big thematic uh, connection, too. Except,
0: I, I think the difference is that Wanda has, I don't think Wanda has enjoyed the fact that she's hurt people. Agatha has been enjoying that part of it. And so that there is a difference between the two of them, even if you say their motivations are similar. I think if you get into the the nuances of it, then you could still say there's a place where Wanda would say, I'm different. Also, the choice they ultimately make, right? If Wanda mm-hmm. is ready to finally make the choice to take it down, as Monica said, take down Westview, give up the idea of an alternate you know, reality where she's holding people hostage within it, but Agatha wants to keep that going, that's the difference. Wanda is ready to make a choice that Agatha is never, ever, ever going to make. But as I said, that will be, I I think next week's episode will go a long way. But as far as that point of like, we need to, uh, there's too much time left for this to be the true villain reveal. We don't know how much time is left. I mean, I know people tried to share the thing of like Kevin Feige confirmed that the last three episodes were an hour apiece. Well, this one was 37 minutes, including credits. You know why? Because Kevin Feige never confirmed that. That was people taking it upon themselves to do math based on the six-hour runtime approximation, but it's just an approximation as far as six hours. I don't know that the show is literally going to be six hours. We don't know what the runtime is going to be. But even if we assume the last two episodes are an hour apiece, there's still a lot that has to happen. As I said, a conversation between Wanda and and Agatha. Vision's got to get back into this. Monica will talk about the mid credit scene before we get out of here. Monica is going to factor back into this. And not only do we have to go through this whole thing of explaining and covering in a way that we can invest in, and also Hayward's launching something, there's a lot of things that are converging now with the with these storylines and there's a lot that has to transpire and that's going to take up time. That's not just something that's all done and then you not only have to present what the challenge is going to be for Wanda as it relates to Agatha. The challenge that Agatha is going to put in front of Wanda and everybody else, you have to have Wanda, you have to properly service that challenge by making it difficult, not something that's easily overcome. So that's going to take time. And then you actually have to show the resolution of overcoming what Agatha is doing and of Wanda defeating Agatha and whatever else. And then you can't just Wanda beats Agatha and everything's fine There's other things that you have to resolve, like taking down Westview and Wanda, some way taking responsibility for her role in what she's done and accepting that responsibility. And what is that going to be? And that's not something that I think you do in just a couple of minutes to say, see you later, that's our show. There's still plenty of things to take up time without having to introduce, uh, to fill two more episodes, without having to introduce another character. Now, the one caveat with introducing another character is Paul Bettany keeps saying, as recently as another interview, I don't know when it was recorded, but it was posted again by Esquire this week, still talking about an actor he always wanted to work with, a character we haven't seen yet in the show. And so I don't know who he's referring to, although this time when he was answering it, it wasn't necessarily in the context of a villain. So I don't know if that's another Avenger, like maybe Paul Bettany always wanted to work with Benedict Cumberbatch or somebody else. I don't know. That's somebody else who's popping in that's not necessarily an antagonist. So there seems to be some other character that's still out there. But again, that may not necessarily be a villain. So I think that in going to that point about the show being more straightforward... So far, it's been more straightforward than we've given it credit for being. Um, oh, yeah. One more lingering question, though, is... Okay, so Agnes is, Agnes is behind Pietro. Great. What did she do there? Did she... Uh, did she bring him over from another reality? In fact, if Agatha is Lore and Agatha takes over and consumes other dimensions, has she already consumed the Fox universe and uh, just brought Pietro through with her and he's like the last remnant of it? I don't think so because Deadpool 3 is still happening, Um, but she might have just pulled him through the multiverse and that's why it is Evan Peters. Or maybe that's entirely a red herring just to confuse us, which... You know, is a bit of a cheat, but I won't hold that against it because the rest of the show's so good. Um, but there's still questions about what exactly and who exactly Pietro is. Uh, besides, you know, what is this? Does it mean anything more than a coincidence that it's Evan, you know, a red herring coincidence that it's Evan Peters? Um, and you know, Agatha's just manipulating, and that's all he is, is just some projection created by Agatha, or is there something more to it? Obviously, that's a lingering question. And there are other ones, but I also feel like I, I don't want to discount the idea that this show is actually being a lot more straightforward uh, than we've assumed. And it's hard because this is a show where you you read into everything because everything feels like it's part of the mystery. And some things ultimately are and some things aren't. But Agatha has been an obvious suspect the entire time. And now we're being told that it was Agatha all along. Uh, and it doesn't mean there isn't anything more to it, but I believe there's a lot of truth to it. At the very least, there's a significant amount of truth, just like even though it wasn't the whole truth, there was a significant amount of truth to the, the revelation of it's all Wanda uh, back at the end of, uh, of episode four. But before we get out of here, we do need to talk about this is Marvel history, right? It's Marvel Studios history. It's MCU history. This is our first mid or post credit scene for a Disney Plus series or a Disney Plus series episode. And Monica is opening the door to the basement from the outside. We see roots with purple lights uh, or lighting up with purple because Agatha's magic is purple. Monica's eyes are blue, but it kind of looks like there's a little hint of purple in there. I don't know if that's because Monica's being influenced. It might just be that her eyes are kind of reflecting back some of the purple. Um, but the other big reveal is Pietro shows up saying snoopers are going to snoop. And then uh, Monica turns around and looks at him. And that's the end of our mid credit scene. So... I'm curious about Pietro here because he looks like, for lack of a better term, he looks like such a slacker in uh, in the way that he presents himself here and how casual he is with the whole snoopers are going to snoop. I'm like, is he still working for Agatha or has he been discarded and now he's actually going to help Monica? Um, I think that's an interesting question stemming from this mid credit scene. Uh, I don't have an answer to that question and, and I'll flip a coin on whether or not he's still working for Agatha or Pietro now is uh, in charge of himself and, and maybe ready to work against her. As I said, flip the coin on that one. It was just exciting to get. Uh, I liked this scene, just exciting, just the the concept of getting mid credit scenes, and I liked that it wasn't just the last episode because I think we'll, I think we can count on mid slash post credit scenes for the final episode of a series. But introducing one here in episode seven out of nine also gives us the idea that these can happen any anywhere at any time Uh, not every week because then they wouldn't be special um but these could drop on on any episode of any disney plus series
1: yeah this this to me it was a great i to be honest i almost missed this post-credit scene i watched it this morning and i was just kind of because i don't i wasn't devouring social media last night and this morning when i was doing some stuff i was Looking around, I went post-credit scene. Oh crap! So I went back and looked at it. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, that was a, that was surprising, and I, I love the fact that there it, it's intentional. Like you said, I could flip a coin. I have no idea. Like it's so it ends in such a weird way. My heart want my heart tells me and wants to this to be uh, a Pietro from a different universe. and 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 keep that which i think is a very valid and viable thing because if we didn't know the multiverse of madness was coming then i would say it could be more like an easter egg for the x-men universe or a different universe or whatever but the fact that we had the multiverse of madness and that we've heard already that wanda is a big part of that i think it it very much plays in the idea that this is a different reality it's not just you know uh Unless Agnes can, you know, personify powers to someone and give them to the super speed ability, um, yeah, I, I don't. Or Wanda could project that onto that yeah. that character himself herself, which is a possibility. Um, I don't. I, I just don't know. Well, I, if I, I if Pietro point. really
0: isn't like a physical thing, then he wouldn't be bound by the laws of physics anyway. So if he needs to move fast, he can move fast. But I mean obviously there's some physicality to it because he like touches things and people like he carries the kids with him when he goes at super speed. So yeah, something is still up there. We'll have to see what that is. Um, but yeah, I I mean, say it every week, love this episode. And I I think that we are narrowing in on some answers, uh, as we go along, but still some questions uh, to be answered as we go forward. But I think we'll go a very long way in getting the remaining answers next week. There might be one Mm -hmm. or two things lingering for the finale. But, you know, I I think we've mostly set the table, as I've been saying for a few weeks, like episode six or seven is where you got to look, you know, end of act two for the series is where you got to look for the table to be set. And right now they're telling us it's set with Wanda, Vision, Monica, Agatha and over at the kids table somewhere is Hayward, where he deserves to be. Um so like we have our we have our main players and it's about how their storylines are going to intersect going forward maybe they squeeze in someone uh toward the end but maybe not but everything they have on this table looks delicious uh sorry for the food metaphor I'm hungry it's almost lunchtime here as we're recording um but it's this has been a special story and it has all the pieces to uh you know have an ending in these last couple episodes that is is worthy of everything that we've been told and and everything that we've seen up until uh, up until this point. And eventually we're gonna be able to go behind the scenes with WandaVision thanks to the Marvel Studios Assembled series, which will begin with the making of WandaVision. That's going to be on Disney Plus on March 12th. And that is news that uh, broke this week that we will go ahead and talk about in our Patreon credit scene where we have other exclusive, and that's part of our Patreon, where we have exclusive podcasts not available anywhere else. Uh, including Marvelous Moments where I do scene breakdowns, fan show biz, where I talk about the business of movies and streaming and stuff like that, and the Patreon credit scenes where we just have additional topics that we can discuss uh, since our time is taken up by the spoiler reviews right now for all these Disney Plus series that we're going to have pretty much much every week. So you can catch that over there. That's at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R. And then speaking of the Patreon, have some folks to thank. Thank you to Alf R, Drew M, Ben J, Ashley P, Mitch, or Mike, uh, Joel C, James, Ensom or Ensom, sorry if I got that wrong, Matt W, Chelsea K, Matthew C, and Eric B, some of the latest patrons over at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, where we also have an exclusive Discord community where we're talking about Marvel and breaking down WandaVision pretty much every single day. And that's also where we have weekly Watch-A-Vision watch parties, Saturdays at 4 p.m. Pacific time. I also announced recently on the Discord a full season uh, Wandavision watch party or Watch A Vision. That is going to be on Saturday, March 6th, following the premiere of the last episode on Friday, March 5th. So, Saturday, March 6th at 1 p.m., gonna watch all nine episodes of Wandavision back to back to back and so on. You get it. Uh, and then make sure one more reminder uh, that you're following us at MCU Fan Show. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Paul, where can they find you? You
1: can find me on Twitter at Herman22
0: with two N's, a.k.a. Thug. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening to MCU Fan Show. We'll see you next time.